0: Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast. Look at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you,
1: Andrew? Cheers. I'm very good. Thank you, Darren. How are you t- uh, this evening?
0: Well, you see, Andrew, life is suffering. It's hard. The world is cursed. But still, you find reasons to keep living. Not
1: all the time. Ah, I'm sorry, I'm making no the sense. Time. I, I, I just had... I had lunch. All right. Sorry, no dinner just now. Some nice. Uh, what did you have actually? D- donkey piss soup. Um, okay. So you know, life isn't all bad. Um, oh yeah,
0: no, I was. I was just actually telling everybody. I, you sent me some some wonderful pictures uh, of your lunch yesterday, actually, which I believe was some nice uh, fillet of the spirit of the of the forest spirit.
1: It was. It was coincidentally, I am a monster. Um, <laughs> But so, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Uh, we are, you and I. But 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 yes. enough about us. Um Yes.
0: Uh, we've got we've got three fantastic guests uh today. We are kicking off our annual session of kind of looking at the animated Japanese movies on the list. We like to call it anime or Miyazaki if you will. And we've got three spectacular guests lined up. We've got the wonderful Deirdre Malumbi. How are you, Dee? I'm
2: very well. How are you guys? We're good.
1: We're good. Um very good. We're, they, are you shocked that it took us so long to come up with anime you know for years yeah. we called it anime april and literally anime years was right there
2: was right there when, literally right next when has mayazaki been around since because that's the first time i've heard of it and i'm like oh genius <laughs> amazing
0: Yeah, we we focus grouped that one this year. We we finally got around to it. It, We got up to bottom of the whiteboard. Um, Ironically, it may also be the last year of anime or Miyazaki, but we'll talk about that later. We've also got two fantastic other guests lined up. The great Graham Day. How are you, Graham?
3: I'm here simply to discuss the new Fast and Furious trailer. That's really why I'm here.
0: And the brilliant Breed Martin. How are you, Breed? I like that we just ignored Graham completely. Sorry about that.
4: It was interesting. Um... Listening to your open conversation with Andrew, um, you summed up my view on the film, uh, which I will sum up later in like three words. But uh, it was just very interesting to listen to. Oh, um,
1: All right, so, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you 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 can, you you can you can you can look forward to to, <laughs> to much more kind of um, astute references to this, not just you, but the listener.
0: Listener too apparently yeah. yes so so we are ideally hopefully um, so we are talking the today about
5: listener.
0: yeah the, uh, who exists as a concept primarily but yes we are talking today about Hayao Mazaki's 1997 animated classic, Princess Mononoke. Um, it was famously, it was released in Japan in 1997, where it immediately became the highest-grossing film of all time at the Japanese box office, outgrossing even E.T. and Jurassic Park. Now, later in that year, it would be displaced and beaten by the release of Titanic, but Hayao Maizaki would take the title back just a couple of years later, with a movie we'll be talking about next week, which is Spirited Away. Exciting. Mononoke, I know, it's riveting. We're keeping you on the edge of your seat here. It's a roller coaster, Genuinely. Maybe. Um,
1: like uh, p- 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 we're, i i think we're too good to people they they they, they, they shouldn't get a podcast every week and, and 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 not 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 certainly not two Miyazaki movies like one followed by the other it's it's back too, to back yeah yeah we're spoiling people
0: We are indeed, and uh, Mononoke is an interesting one to talk about in large part because it served as a beachhead for Studio Ghibli into the United States. It was the movie that arguably got the company the mainstream recognition that it deserved and served as a gangplank for the success that would be spirited away the following year, primarily because it was the first movie released under the partnership between Disney and Ghibli, um, which was overseen by the Weinstein company Miramax, which we are unfortunately going to have to talk about very, very briefly. Um... But yes, basically, Ghibli, Princess Mononoke was going to be the springboard into American cinema. It was screened in 1997 uh, as an Oscar-eligible or qualifying run, but it failed to make the list for international pictures, at which point Harvey Weinstein, seeing an opportunity, decided that following the success of Shall We Danceu uh, in American cinemas in 1996, that there was a market for a mainstream Japanese film, if it were to be dubbed properly. And we've talked on the podcast before about some of the other Maizaki and Ghibli dubs, how they've been perhaps a bit crude, a bit broad. So they decided they would actually take their time with this. And... uh, Damn it. So that means that...
1: Are are you telling me, Darren, that the dub was really good for this?
0: (laughs) Did you not listen to the dub?
1: I mean, have have we reached the part of the podcast where we talk about subs and dubs?
0: That's that's fair. The the subs and dubs section we will get to in a moment. And snubs no. and flubs
1: which will which we'll be we covering later.
0: Um uh, an entirely separate thing. But yes, so basically uh Weinstein said, "Look, let's do this properly. Let's take it away. Let's let's hire Neil Gaiman to write a script for this." Um, Let's get a bunch of very talented actors to come in and do readings. People like Billy Bob Thornton, uh, Billy Crudup, Minnie Driver, um, Claire Danes as well. Leonardo DiCaprio was at one stage considered for it. And let's actually sit down and do this properly. So that meant it took two long years before this movie was released in American cinemas. And Andrew, this podcast is going out in May. And it's about a movie that was technically released in American cinemas... In 1999, I think you know what that means, Andrew. This is
1: a summer of '99 movie. We're doing it again.
0: We're doing it again, baby. It's a secret summer of '99 movie.
1: What, what it was what, what about WrestleMania? That, um, like, <laughs> um, what was in what was in the charts that year? So- there, there was so a lot a, of like I I do enjoy I feel like you're gonna add it in post but I I, I did enjoy those <laughs> like there was a lot of wrestling content um, <laughs> which was which That's which me. was like I don't know like like I was probably like, like obviously I, I was only four years of old, of, of age in in 1999 um, but um, but. Um, <laughs> no that's not true um, no. <laughs> mentally yeah, mentally,
5: yeah,
1: mentally uh, four years of age so I was still watching uh, wrestling but I was like I wonder how many other people were was that just me and <laughs> other people my age anyway sorry so, so what was happening in 99
0: it's October 27th 1999 <laughs>
5: Halloween. Six strangers have been invited to a party. If they can stay up till dawn, they'll win one million dollars each. The only catch is that they'll have to live through the night.
3: Let the games begin. Summer is the most difficult season to get pregnant. Why? Because I'm out of town. (laughs) That's the Baldwin Brothers, Vivica A. Fox, and Eleanor Mondale on all new shows of Hollywood Squares. Tonight
5: at 7.30 on CBS2. Don't worry, Dad. We'll be dead in five minutes. Not fast enough. In a time when gods walk the earth, An epic battle rages between the encroaching civilization of man and the gods of the forest.
2: We need to protect our oceans and beaches, and if elected president, I'll do that. I'll not only continue the moratorium on new ocean drilling off California's coast and
5: Florida's, but I'll move to stop drilling in those areas already leased by previous
2: administrations. To be good stewards of our Earth, we must create a future worthy of our children. Do you, uh, yahoo? Uh,
5: let's touch a lot of bases. Uh, the first thing you keep we keep hearing is you're going to announce in January, right? Or, or make some sort of decision by January. Well, I'm going to announce whether or not I decide to run or whatever, and I haven't made that. What haven- are you doing I haven't made now? That.
3: I mean, all that's happening now is people are coming out with polls. It was sort of interesting. The one sort of negative poll I had was on Newsweek, and they put me on the cover. So I said, "How
5: could you write a poll? How could you do a poll like this?" And I'm on the cover of Newsweek?" And you know, it was just one of those things, but the polls have been unbelievable. So I am going to form a
3: presidential exploratory committee. I might as well announce it on your show. Everyone else does. But uh, I'll be forming that and uh, effective, I believe, tomorrow, and we'll see. I mean, we're going to take a very good, strong look at it.
2: That's right, we bad.
0: It's two weeks following the release of Fight Club, the last movie that we covered in our summer of '99, two years ago. <laughs> Smooth by Carlos Santana continues its reign of terror at the top of the Billboard 100. Mambo number five is ironically at number four. Unpretty is at number five. My love is your love is at number eight, and scarred Tissue is at number ten. At the U.S. box office, it's Halloween weekend, and that can only mean one thing: The House on Haunted Hill tops the U.S. box office. The Best Man is at number two, directed by Malcolm D. Lee, who will be directing Space Jam 2, A New Legacy, which we'll be covering in our summer of 2021. Um, Double Jeopardy is at three. and two-
3: <laughs> <laughs> You think that's going to hit <laughs> um,
0: Yes. So two movies that we've covered are at four and five. American Beauty is at four and Fight Club is at five. New releases this week include, of course, a Wes Craven movie because it wouldn't be Halloween without a hot new Wes Craven release. So the director of Scream presents Music of the Heart an Oscar-nominated Meryl Streep movie about a violin teacher in New York City. It's amazing. What if you haven't year. seen it, seek it out. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Yes, they do say 1999 was the best year in the history of cinema. CNN reports the <laughs> president did you, Al why Gore. Why
3: we have to ruin it? <laughs> for... Yeah, Reed didn't believe
0: it.
4: Literally what I said to Graham earlier, he's like, he mentioned that, oh, there's going to be a thing about 1999. And I was like, yeah, literally best year ever. Yeah. Yes. It is. It's the best year at gaming. Like,
3: it it's the best year at gaming, film, Music. cartoons. It's what,
1: was Metal Gear solid and GTA two nineteen ninety nine? No, right,
3: no. Nineteen ninety nine no. was uh Soul Reaver, uh Final Fantasy VIII. Ooh,
1: seven Fantasy. was a good one though, wasn't
3: it? Yeah, seven was the seven was the one everyone adores, but like eight is also great, and then we had again, I remember what I was doing when I got Soul Reaver. It was the first time I was called out at a game store because I was ten and the game was eighteen. <laughs> there was like my, my mom was there going listen it's his birthday can he just buy it and they were like it's 18s how old is he 11
2: when your mom your just mom say should it, was have said it was for her your <laughs> mom <laughs> <laughs> straight <up>. minds
3: <laughs> like it's not like she like it's like like her her mentality was the you know, game store doesn't have to put up with its nightmares so I do and I'm okay with it
0: I <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what we normally do when we have guests on the podcast for the 99 seasons, we just ask very briefly your <laughs> memories of the year, generally regarding as the year in cinema. So thank you for getting us off to a strong start there. Oh, no problem. But but D, what about yourself in terms of 1999? Your memories of the year, your favorite film of the year, your your memories of watching movies from that year. Is it the best year in the history of cinema? See,
2: I was uh, and this betrays my age, but sure we might as well. Um, I was only nine then so I hadn't really been like inducted into how amazing the world of cinema is. I only really started kind of properly going to movies and stuff like in my teen years. Um, it's only kind of retroactively like when I was in my teens that I was able to look back and be like damn the 90s they were the decade of cinema <laughs> that I should have grown up in. So that was a very frustrating experience for me and to this day like of any decade in cinema, like if you give me like lists of all the releases, like I've probably seen more 90s movies than any other decade because the 90s were just so fantastic. But I mean, like, Looking back, um, Fight Club was mentioned there. Like Fight Club was a big, big movie for me in terms of like, you know, when I was kind of in my later teen years, like watching that just like on repeat on DVD. The very first time I saw Fight Club, I saw it like halfway through the movie to the end and I still thought it was like the best movie ever. And then another one I absolutely have to give a shout out to because A, my fiance will kill me if I don't. But B, I actually do think it is the best movie of 1999. But The Matrix, it is just... Like, you you still go back and look at it, and you're like, it's so groundbreaking. It looks so good. It's aged so little. It's still such a brilliant, like, you know, example of like sci fi cinema. And also, inspired what I think is possibly the best um, drinking game for watching a movie ever, which has one rule, and that is you must drink every time Neo asks a question. It's literally no, every no. line no. of dialogue. That's like with Harry, like from with Harry Potter in the first
3: Harry Potter <laughs> film. That would be a nightmare.
2: Yeah. So it, uh, it, yeah, I thought
1: you were going to say that it inspired possibly the best sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: the hot take, the hot we'll take. We'll have to wait podcast. till the
2: Matrix Four, I suppose.
3: <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, Andrew, I... you were right. GTA Two did also come out in uh, '99. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was great. It, he did do an um, entire
0: season on it, Graham. He knows it's nineteen ninety nine. I,
1: I, love, I, I love all. Like, um, it, it was horrific because of all of the, um, the, like the what when it would say like cop killer, <laughs> uh, the tone. Of it, it was like at some point, if you if you were driving over people in a tank, it would say genocide, like it was excited about what you had just done, and you should be too. And they are like, oh
3: god, what am I doing? she <laughs> uh. sure, like, ninety nine just had some of the, the funnest films. It had Ten Things I Hate About You. It had The Iron yeah. Giant. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and breed. What about yourself in terms of your your memories? Because you jumped out. You said nineteen ninety nine. Yes, greatest
5: yeah, year in pop culture yeah. ever. Yeah.
4: I think 1999 was kind of the year for me where I became aware of media, like music, um, movies, that I was really, you know, the first time where I was really, oh, right, there's stuff going on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Though actually in retrospect, um, you just mentioned the Iron Giant there, which I didn't see till years later. Yeah, until we started Um, dating,
3: but had never seen the Iron Giant.
4: I definitely missed out on that one. But um, yeah of the year uh it, it's kind of hard to narrow it down i mean you've all mentioned great films from that year um the mummy does stand out for me as a fun favourite it was fun yeah um yeah, <laughs> a, lot yeah a, lot things, a lot of things happened in 1999. a lot of
3: things
0: happened
4: in it's like the most active year of my life probably Yeah.
0: no 1999 and it's amazing like the broad sweep of like films like again mentioning fight club and the Matrix and the Mummy in the same sentence, and like the Best Man and Double Jeopardy as well. Um, but <laughs> what about yourself, Graham? For you, your 1999 memories are films outside of your your mother almost buying you a. a she audio did get video it. Game. She did
3: get it for me in the end. She just couldn't go to the game store with me. Oh, that's oh, how she. Sure. Sh- that's how. That's how we. That's how we mined. That's how we hacked back in the day. You know. That's how we <laughs> life hacked back in the day. I didn't go to the game store with her. Uh. <laughs> Um uh, film Matrix, but I don't know if I actually saw it when I was ten. I can't remember because like 11. surely oh because yeah, 'cause yeah. Eleven. Uh it depends on what time of the year it came out in. Like I was I was either ten or I was eleven. If it was in later in the year I was eleven. If it was but it but that film's like what, twelves? Fifteens?
0: Yeah, you probably would've seen it at home. Like it was one of the first dvds Like I my memory of the Matrix and, is it being
3: I mean, I saw like I saw some of films, like I mentioned I weirdly gra- uh, gravitated towards 10 Things I Hate About You. But I think that's just because recently I've been on a kick of watching Heath Ledger films. I watched, um, oh, it's on Amazon Prime right now, uh, The A Knight's Tale. Yep.
2: <gasps> I love that movie! So good! Exactly!
3: It's due an anniversary, isn't it? There's like
0: a 20th anniversary of that coming up, I think, is it? Oh, two oh,
1: years ago. That's exciting. Ago. <laughs>
3: no, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was summer in No, no, not of ten things.
0: Not ten things I hate about you. A knight's tale. Jesus,
3: Andrew. Uh, I loved. No, but I like. I loved. Um, um, ten things I hate about you. I just thought it was a brilliant film, and that was before I had any knowledge of. Oh, it's based on like you know literature, and there's a grand history behind that kind of whole film. Um, uh, I just liked it because I thought Heath Ledger's character Patrick was really cool.
4: Actually, Shakespeare-focused films were a big thing in the nineties. They were. Yeah. It's a lot of them.
1: Yeah, uh, Tom Tom Stoppard's Shakespeare in Love. Um, but they, <laughs> was it was it?
0: That's the Oscar winner.
1: That's yeah. the Oscar winner. Yeah, they, but it, was um, Ten Things I Hate About You was Taming of the Shrew, wasn't it? Yes, yeah.
0: yes, it was. I mean, even a couple of years earlier, I know it's not Shakespeare, but obviously, like Clueless was Emma, right? I'd like to pick an example, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I love like ironic literacy in the nineties. Like um,
1: this is a genre unto well, itself. It's not ironic. Um, like Ren, Ren and Stimpy is totally existential. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: I feel we may be wandering off topic, but that was just a nice little kind of segue into into like a revival of a two year old season. But we are here talking about Hayao Miyazaki's Princess Mononoke. And I just want to ask, actually, do you guys remember the first time that you saw it? So, So Graham, maybe, do you remember the first time that you saw Princess Mononoke? Did you see it when it arrived in cinemas in 1999? Or did you kind of discover it later? And did you come to it, like, first... Was it one well, of your first Ghibli or your late Ghibli?
3: I'm fairly certain it was one of my first Ghibli. I think I was introduced to it in secondary school by a um, I, I, I could be wrong, but it could be um a teacher who knew that I was gravitating towards uh, anime. Um, It might have been some friends of mine, even, who they knew I was a fan of, like, Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! And then I was getting into Naruto and Full Metal Alchemist. And they said, here, there's a bunch of films that you might be interested in. And I think they showed me... Princess Mononoke at a house party once. And I loved it. And I think that's the first... I actually think this is the first um... because I'm never sure about the pronunciation. I think it's Ghibli. I think it's Gibb I'm not sure. Ghibli, Ghibli.
0: It's probably Ghibli. It is pro- like, ne- don't trust me. Never trust me. <laughs>
3: I feel that's, bad, that's Darren.
1: I, I gave you such a hard time on, on... or I will in the future. It's gonna be... Time is a strange thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the... When when we when we did or when we will do or will do Harry I gave you such guff about about, about, about about pronouncing things and I'm sorry. No, it's okay. We've only been doing it for four years.
0: I mean, you, 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 I, you think you would be used to it by now? But sorry, Graham, cut you I off. I do there. beg so your pardon. You my
3: fault. That's. I suppose that is my first memory of potentially my first Ghibli. Really? Um, I always consider my first Ghibli to be, um, uh, House Moving Castle, but that, I think that's because it's my most fond memory of a Ghibli film. Uh, but I'm fairly certain. It's, I think it's my favourite. Well, it's well, like, it's It's my first. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's your first. Oh oh. And it's, um, well, I showed Breed all the Ghibli films. Well, all the ones that are. We haven't seen all of them.
4: Spoiler alert for my answer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, it's, I'm fairly certain Princess Mononoke is my first one, and it got me into them. So, because the second I found that out, I literally looked up the list and saw that it was like, oh, cool, there's like ten of them, and now there's like twenty. So that's how far it's gone for me.
0: All right, um, and and Breed, Then, do you remember the season, the Ghibli season that was put on just for you?
4: It was early on in our relationship, yeah, actually, like so. It was a litmus test. ten years ago, um, yeah, Ghibli season kicked off with uh, Hell's Moving Castle. Mm-hmm. So off to a, a solid, solid start. Um, a lot of the, the big Ghibli highlights in that, including next week's film. So,
0: no spoilers. Yeah. Yes, next week we will definitely be talking about a film. That's a separate
5: story.
4: But yeah, I do remember Princess Mononoke, although, um, when I was rewatching it there, um, I, I found I, I remembered how I felt more than I remembered details of the film, interestingly. So I couldn't remember details of the plot, like, what exactly was going to happen? But I remember how I would feel about it. <laughs> it's like I'm going to be angry in a minute, or I'm going to be really sad in a minute. Like, don't know why.
1: It is. It is a great Ooh. couples um, season. Just ahead uh, ghibli. <laughs> like there, 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 there's there's a lot of stuff. Um, especially that that um, what's it the the um, the raccoon uh, PomPoco Pom-Po-Po, with the with the scrotums. It's so yes, much with fun. The,
0: the bouncing. Have we covered that? No, it's not on the list. We'll have to I talk know. about what we're doing next I year, know. given that we're out <laughs> of Ghibli movies. But um, Dee, what about yourself? Do you remember the first time that you saw Mononoke and your kind of immediate reaction to it?
2: So I have a, a very <laughs> strange answer to this because I actually can't remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I have seen it three times. But I can't remember the first time I've seen it. Um, and I'll tell you why. Basically, the very first Studio Ghibli, and sorry, I know we're going to be swapping between Ghibli Back and, and forth, Ghibli. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm used to saying Ghibli. Um, but the very SG, first one. The big SG. Yeah. Um, the first one I saw was the movie we'll be talking about this uh, next week. But I'm pretty sure, Darren, you've already said what movie that Thank is. You have. But just Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: No, it is spared it, is okay, way. It's I it away. I li- did actually, I literally said this is a, this is a consecutive <laughs> season. Yes. Okay. Um.
2: Grant. Uh, no, I was just worried about it because I know people are like <laughs> spoilers. No. Um, but in any case, yeah. So that was the very first one I saw um, from Studio Ghibli. And I won't get into my reaction to it, but it did want- make me want to watch subsequent Studio Ghibli films. And I remember specifically the second one was Tales from Earthsea, which. Apparently isn't a very good one. Like it has one of the lower ratings on Tomatoes, and I remember watching this the movie thinking. What the hell is going on in this movie? I'm completely confused. Is it just is it just me? And that kind of put me off them for a while. And then I got back into them. And then I went to college, and we actually did um, as an example of kind of Japanese anime cinema. We did Howl's Moving Castle, which I also adore, and I loved um, you you guys your podcast on it uh, last year. It's uh, it's just I love all the love for that movie that, that is radiating through I have that so podcast. Much love for that. <laughs> Oh, it's great. It's so good. Um, But I got to Princess Mononoke eventually. And I remember another reason why I was hesitant to watch it was, you know how they're all out on like DVD and they have like a similar cover design. So I remember the Princess Mononoke one was putting me off because a it was 15s rated, which none of the other ones were. And I was a little like hesitant about that. And I think this is one of the thing aspects that we'll be talking about when we get into the spoiler zone and i remember the cover which is of um san with the sorry not san what's her name again Main girl. San is it's San. San yeah. Oh, San, San, sorry, not San. But San Um with her mouth covered in blood, with Mara behind her also <laughs> bleeding, and it was just such a like violent image. And I was like, oh no, this is gonna this is gonna be like one of those studio Ghibli films that ruins all their innocence and magic for me. So I was very hesitant to watch it. Eventually did get around to it. Wasn't mad about it. Second time I appreciated it a bit more, and I watched it for the third time this week, and it's so funny, but it took three times to watch it and to realize, okay, now I get it. Something just clicked for me and I I get it now. I get what the fuss is about.
4: That does happen with certain films or yeah. books. Like it's when you go over them again, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Fresh perspective.
3: Oh, there's been time between each one. Yeah.
0: No, I, I had a similar reaction to it actually myself because I remember I watched it years ago again i can't remember the first time i watched it but i loved it and then i went back to it for this and i was like wait wait this isn't as good as i remember it being and then i watched it again of course and i was like of actually
5: course. you
1: know what it is <laughs> i was wondering I that Andrew, it's like just saw a movie twice how is he going to be able to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: Uh, and Andrew, what about yourself? Do you remember the first time you saw Princess Mononoke? I do,
1: Darren. <laughs> it was was wasn't earlier this evening. I I had to watch it in two halves because um, I'm a busy man. But um, no, yeah, no, I'm not a busy man. Um, I, I I watched the end of it this morning, and yeah, I, I, the um, it's kind of it, it's not it's not full um kind of grave of the fireflies but um it is um like i i i, I guess kind of having that reaction to it i think it, it i as as in as in as in the reaction of um of being like oh this this is going to be one of those grim um uh studio ghibli yeah. movies and it grave of the wolf god yeah and it is um, just, just in case anyone is wondering, <laughs> but it's, um, no, I loved it. I, 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 I really liked it. Um, I don't know how I'm going to kind of rate it when it comes to the other movies that we've covered for Ghibli or for Miyazaki, but, um, yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot. I think the intro that Dee mentioned is, is of, of, of the titular character. Or eponymous, I guess, if you prefer. Um, <laughs> is uh, is one of the best intros, like of, of, of a character. For my money. And I like it's a subjective thing, but like in, in in my opinion.
0: Well, there's a reason that it's the poster. There's a reason that like Wendy went to buy the DVD, that was the image staring back at her. It's because funny. Though, it's,
1: it's the- how it could put people off as well. And and it totally could. You know, be, be, yeah. be, be, because um, I could see it putting me off. There, like, for some reason, I hadn't watched this before. And it could be because the Netflix um, <laughs> little... Um, algorithm. Yeah, or no, the, the, the little um, uh, oh, the tile, tile. For, for it might have been um, uh, that. That image. Yeah.
0: You know that they designed the Netflix algorithm to show you a tile that you will click on, actually. Like, they... It's incredibly well. You don't, like, it you
1: don't want you. to see my tiles, there. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Um,
0: Netflix judges you,
1: and it's like I'm not that bad. Out. Netflix, come on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Andrew was the reason we end up covering
5: 365
3: days <laughs> <to> be clear <laughs> I love an erotic. Oh wait, wait, hold on. Okay. I, mess- I was laughing. Did he actually get you to watch that? Yeah, we covered it. For no, Valentine's I didn't. Day.
1: I did not. I did not. That is okay. not true. Okay. I did not get you to do it. I, I asked if we were because you had brought it up. Um... Okay.
0: Uh, okay. Anyway, um, but to get back to the, the, the Miyazaki stuff and the darkness of the movie, because it, it is actually worth acknowledging, it is a pretty surprisingly dark, gritty uh, movie. It is not quite grave of the Fireflies level, but it's a very intense. What films uh, movie, are? As as Ghibli do, but like it's notable. One of the things about and we'll probably talk about this in the spoiler zone is the way in which it serves in some ways as a kind of a thematic mirror to like Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind in that like it's a companion piece. The two films are quite easy to pair together in terms of Maizaki's filmography. And the reason for that is because after and we talked about this, when we talked about Nausicaa. When Maizaki did Nausicaa, he'd done the manga of it and he continued working on the manga of it through the 90s. And he's argued, and I kind of, I adore this. This is a, Maizaki being Maizaki. He's argued that like, the when he was doing the manga of Nausicaa, all of his cynicism and darkness went into the manga. Every negative thought that he had about like mankind and its relationship to the planet got published in the manga. So he would then do movies like say My Neighbor Totoro or Kiki's Delivery Service or even Porco Rossi, you know. They, they do have a little bit of darkness in them, but they're not as, quite as bleak or cynical uh, as cynical. Like, Totoro has
3: uh... no darkness. There's like, there's... <laughs> It's well, a it's ball of like like, no darkness. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, but like so, and his argument is that literally, as soon as he finished the manga, that darkness had to go somewhere, and it yeah. ended up going into this
1: little little um, dark wormy uh, bit. Started <laughs> like kind of coming, uh, grabbing him and, and 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 taking over him,
0: and he just rampaged was... into the Studio Ghibli Animation Studio.
1: I an I do imagine force. it being. I do imagine it being the ink that he uses to kind of do his manga and that when he stops drawing that it starts to come out of the pen and up his fingers and things. Um, Do that manga, Miyazaki. (laughs) Um,
0: um. Yes, so yes, so then he kind of, he opted to do uh, this movie instead, which is quite a, perhaps a, a dark, violent, and bloody epic, is how it is described, and I think not inaccurately. So before we jump into the spoilers and before we start talking about the movie in, in a great deal of depth, three questions to get us started with. And so, Reed, to get us started, um, do you think that Princess Mononoke belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies of all time?
4: Yeah. Wow. Sorry, I just had to, to really think about it, yeah. but yes. Cool.
0: And like, in terms of like Ghibli's output, how would how would you rank it? Um, like, how is your kind of like, how, for you, is it is it his best work? Because like, Miyazaki said that this was the first time that he announced his retirement from animation. This was the...
2: <laughs> the first of well, many. Well, I mean, it's,
0: yeah, it, the first of many. Like, it, it's become a recurring joke that when Miyazaki finishes a movie, he's like... I've done everything I can, I'm out. And then it's like, but wait, I've got one more idea. I have another I'm in. story, though. <laughs> yeah. So this was the first time he said, look, I've I poured my heart and soul into it. This is my magnum opus. This is the thing that I want to be remembered for. So How how does that rank for you? Is this, is this his masterpiece? Does it rank up there?
4: It's interesting because if you had asked me a few days ago, I probably would have said Princess Mononoke is Somewhere in the middle, because as I said, I didn't quite remember exactly. But then rewatching it, um, it's it's probably quite high, I think. Um, I really enjoyed it on a rewatch. Um, and actually, because I originally watched it in the English, um, with Graham's Ghibli season, um, I watched it in the Japanese this time, uh, which is quite interesting. But um, yeah, is it uh, more intense? I usually find the Japanese.
3: But yeah, they're are, better at they're well, they're better at doing their own stories. There is
4: an intensity to it. Yeah, it's and, not in the. Um, from what I remember, anyway, because I saw the English a while ago. Mm.
3: Um,
4: but yeah, it it I think it went up on our recent rewatch, which we all seem to have varying opinions <laughs> on rewatching. It, so. yeah,
0: it's like a yo-yo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, this was, on the IMDb list, on the top two fifty. It is the second highest ranked of Miyazaki's movies. Behind, obviously, the movie that we'll be covering next week, which is Spirited Away, and there's probably lots of reasons for that. Um, but like, it, it's an interesting film because generally we've talked about this on the list. The pattern is that movies come in, they enter high, and they fall down. And Mononoke has an interesting roller coaster trajectory. You know, in 2000 it comes in around about 93, and then it kind of gradually drops. It's it's down about 130 in August 2009. And then something incredible happens. After falling, you know, at that stage, what seventy places, sorry, forty places, it starts climbing again, and it's now up at sixty-three. It's been when at a time when most other movies on the list have been dropping. This one has been climbing, and that includes other Miyazaki movies. We talked about, like, Cast in the Sky, we talked about Nausicaä. Those movies have tended downwards. This one tends upwards. So it's kind of interesting in that context, because what, what Breed mentioned about, like, coming back to it on rewatches and reassessing yeah, it on rewatches. Yeah, it depends on, on how many times
2: if... people have seen it. So second <laughs> time down, third time up.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's very much Darren's experience of watching but an okay reflected in a graph. Sounds like Dar- um. that happened
3: to Darren in the space of a day or two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I'm a yo yo. I'm an emotional. It, look, trust me, it's a very weird time we're living in. What about yourself, Graham? What, do you think that it belongs to the list of the 250 greatest movies ever made?
3: Oh, goddammit. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, a hesitant yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's really fascinating. And it is, like you said, it's a weird mirror to Nausicaa because where Nausicaa feels like it's hopeful and it's striving to hope with Nausicaa at the center of it, this is and I'll get into it again in the spoiler zone like we all will, has Ashitaka at the center of what can only be described as the descent of destruction of mankind and and how we're bringing nature down with us. And yeah, but I, I, I love it and it would be fascinating to watch the two of them side by side, I think. Mm. Just to get a mood. Andrew, Andrew, sorry, you look like you're about to jump in there. Sorry.
1: No, I was just wondering like, like, like what's more what's more what's more upsetting to what to watch a world that is about to destroy itself because it's so relatable, or or, or to watch a world that has already destroyed itself and is kind of um, healing—like, do we do we do we want to see post-apocalyptic worlds? Because we're like, oh, it's a relief, it's, <laughs> you know, we've and got at the apocalypse over. So yeah, at least yeah it finally yeah, happened.
0: Yeah. It's like that exam you have to sit. It's like, well, thank God that's over with. We all knew it was coming, but uh, now at least yeah. we can go out and like have a party. It's kind of interesting
2: beer. Andrew says that as well, having just come off kind of a season or a round of like post-apocalyptic movies on the 250 podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going to have some stuff to say about like kind of uh, the, uh, this and some other movies maybe. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: a clockwork orange mad max fury road and Zack snyder's justice league are they all sequels to mononoke this is the question uh what about yourself d do you think that this is one of the 250 best movies ever made
2: you know um upon my third rewatch <laughs> 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 no um i absolutely do not just because it's beautiful and because it kind of um taps into you know nature and environment like uh graham was saying there which i think like is perhaps more relevant now than it even was back in the 90s. (laughs) But for me, the primary thing that struck me on watching this, and I can get into this because I don't think it's quite spoiler territory, but it really, really struck me when I was watching it this week is how... Well, it taps into this idea of how many different outlooks there are on the world, depending on where you come from and the difficulties with finding kind of reconciliation and a compromise in a world like this where there is so much diversity, so many different desires, so many different objectives. So in a way, it's not only timeless, but I think it's strikingly contemporary because, I mean, we're, we're living in a social media age where I'm right and you're wrong. And it's become increasingly difficult to identify that gray area and to kind of search for a compromise because there is a lot of nuance and complexity in the world. It's not good versus evil, as we've been taught by like so many Disney movies, among other like examples of cinema. Um, And I just think I was really, really taken aback by how well um, Princess Mononoke captured that. And I think that that could be a very good reason why it has been kind of climbing in um, the 250, because I think that maybe it's not just me that has kind of identified that relevance
0: like I mean uh, Maizaki's kind of talked about this how like when he wants this is Maizaki's only period film again that's not really a spoiler and in terms of like dating it in terms of history obviously it takes place within you know a fantasy history of Japan but it does take place uh, in I believe the Minamuchi period and that's kind of arguably notable for thematic reasons that we may or may not come back to in this war zone I've learned not to promise that we'll talk about it later because we probably won't Um but I mean um it is a period piece and one of the things that Maizaki said when he was making it was, Was that he deliberately wanted to include as many different groups as possible and as many different perspectives and to avoid the cliches of what he saw as the kind of like samurai epic. So for example, um, you know, again, these are not spoilers. You know, the Ameshi are an ethnic group um, and the film opens on an Ameshi village and they are, like, one of the main character is a member of the Ameshi tribe or the Ameshi clan, uh, which is part of Japanese history. You have this recurring motif of a town that is populated by women who have come from brothels, but are also where guns are designed by lepers who are traditionally ostracized and viewed, you know, in ancient Japanese culture as being cursed. And and Mizaki said, like, that was one of the things that he wanted to do when he made the movie, was to make a movie essentially populated by outcasts and by strangers and by disparate Viewpoints and perspectives, and it, it is striking. I think, like the the default comparison for Mononoke, and particularly because it was the first Ghibli film distributed by Disney, is to something like Pocahontas, which deals perhaps broadly with similar themes about groups in conflict, about nature, about the the environment, about like man's attempts to tame nature. Um, and this really, I think, benefits from that comparison because it, it kind of it. Avoids a lot of the heavy handedness that we associate with, say, environmentalist animated movies of the '90s. Things like, say, Fern Gully, for example. Um, in that it's just
1: going to say Fern Gully. Yeah, no, I no, like, like Fern Gully.
0: Like, I, I mean, you know, Fern Gully has has its strengths, Graham. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. Like, ta- it's like, got Tim say...
3: Curry as a sludge monster and Robin Williams as a rapping bat. What more do you want?
1: What? Yeah, uh, like if if if. <laughs> If Tim Curry isn't enough nuance, and, like um, um, for for you, then like what more do you want? You know, like like you're saying, like that's not a subtle movie. Yeah.
0: Um, you're saying Tim Curry plays the villain, right? Um, <laughs> a literal pile of toxic slug called, called Exus. I think he's actually called.
4: It's, he-
1: it's. funny, like camp villains. If you like to go from from. Um, tim curry to alan rickman is just like like just how how much you open your mouth it's like tim curry alan rickman and it's uh Aww. it's it, it's it, it's so close um in terms of range not that that's a good impersonation See, now but, i wish um, the
2: podcast was a video so they could have seen that andrew <laughs> it was it was actually like that That's Andrew's <laughs> masterclass
0: right there. Um, the Speaking range of, of camp British villains. Yes. So, Andrew, um, what about yourself? Do you think that it belongs to the list of the 250 greatest movies ever made?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yes. Um, well, uh who's that <laughs> that's the church churchill the the, the 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 dog yeah the insurance the dog. Dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah
0: timothy small I... churchill the insurance dog in the king's
5: speech <laughs> <laughs> sorry
1: yeah and i i i think of mine i for like a number of reasons it's difficult to say because you're 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 kind of like on what um criteria i'd say yes definitely but like like there's different ways of answering this question yeah. is it better than some of the movies in in, yeah, in the 250 definitely um is it better than some of the um miyazaki movies in 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 the list i'd say i'd say it is it's i or is it better than ones that aren't in the list um and i i i have like Visually speaking, I really like Porco Rosso. And I think visually speaking, Spirited Away is hard to beat. I don't, I don't, I wasn't struck as much with this visually speaking, but in terms of its, its themes and its storytelling and its world building. And, and, and I think the is quite right to, to say the, the, the nuance, because the, the, the uh, uh, polemic or, or even kind of stories with a point I I think work a lot better when you don't lose the audience. So um, this this I think work, works works well on all those levels. So yeah, I'd say I'd say it, there there's enough arguments for it to be on the list. Right. Um,
0: yep. and and breathe. But it's probably
1: not my favorite
0: of, of the Ghibli films. Of the Ghibli
1: movies are, are of the kind of, of the anime movies that we've watched. Like I really loved Akira. Yes. But I yes. think that's more likely to be on my 250 than on, then, like the 250. Well, there are moments when
0: this threatens to go full Akira, to be fair. There are moments where the film kind of almost yeah, gestures in that direction.
1: Yeah. They, they, I, I I, did like it a lot. Um, and, 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 and I think there's, there, there as I say, there are plenty of arguments for why it should be on the list. Uh, and
0: breed would it be on your own personal 250, your own 250 favorite? What about yourself, ever?
1: Darren? Um, did you
0: say? Yeah, I did not say.
5: <laughs> did not say. Does.
0: Um, the answer is probably maybe. Again, I have that issue that Andrew has, which is like, what criteria do you use? Like, there's a lot of Miyazaki on here. How do you rank it comparable to those? Should we make room for other Japanese animated films that are not Miyazaki movies, for example? Um, you know, is this the why well, do you hate Korean
1: movies so much? <laughs>
0: That, thanks, sense. Yeah, okay, fair point. But you, you know what I, I mean. But and I, I don't yeah, know the no, idea no, I, sw- swapping I, I, one for one as well is also problematic. Like, I mean, it's like, can't we just get rid of the help? By the way, we got rid of the help. The help left the two fifty. I'm very excited. Oh, thank
2: God! Is Jaws back?
0: Jaws is not back, unfortunately. There was only so much we could do, Andrew. There was That's only the so. Some- biggest
2: two fifty sin. Oh, and Robocop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's weird. So I haven't maybe- seen
3: either of those films. <gasps> I know, right? I should really see the I help.
2: Know. Okay, that's going to have to be next week's <laughs> next, movie. Next week's a
3: surprise episode. Something he Here, hasn't come.
4: seen. Don't do this. He has never seen The Godfather. Don't do
3: this. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I love
4: mentioning that, just for the
0: reaction. Um, uh, have, you so season... <laughs> have you seen Mank? Have you seen Mank? No. I, okay, well then, I that's okay. I have seen
1: Mank.
0: Uh, I was going to ask if you've seen Citizen Kane then. That's okay. Yeah, I've seen um, Citizen Kane. You you haven't seen Mank, okay, cool. That's
2: it was the right college. way
3: to
2: do it. That's, that's, you had to um, see Kane Oh yeah, my mom wanted to watch Mank recently, and I was like, "No, you have to watch Citizen Kane first, or so much is going to go <laughs> well, your over yeah. your head." I had it I on 2D, fortunately, so I just loaned it to her. Um, yeah.
0: Um, and and Breed, what about yourself? Would it be on your own personal two hundred and fifty, your own two hundred and fifty
4: favorite movies? Yes, I, I it would. Um, for possibly not the same reasons that other people might put it on um but we'll get to that later
3: okay so are they spoilery reasons or
4: slightly i guess how
3: many of the 250 now would be anime for you like the amount of anime films that we've watched Hmm. because there's a fair few that you've really adored
4: probably somewhere around talk to them sorry (laughs) i'm thinking um 20 25 oh that's pretty good oh nice um
0: all right then. And Graham, what percentage of your own 250 would be anime movies now that you've asked the question? Yeah, mm,
4: that's
3: fair. Uh, oh, a lot. A ton, a ton of anime because I've seen like other studios and there's a lot of Ghibli to be fair. Um, would this be on your own personal
0: 250?
1: Would it be more or less than
3: 25%? <laughs> it's got <be> <laughs> to be more than 25 at this point. I, I, I prefer anime and animation to a lot of live action films because they can do so much more with the medium and they do much more with the medium I think um yes I think no 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 no, no. I will not put this <laughs> <laughs> there's a re- like the reason is because and I, I realized it as I was watching it this might be too heavy for me like it's a, it, like <laughs> like there are multiple films like I can't put Grave of the Fireflies on because I could not watch that oh, more than so, maybe so three harsh. times a lifetime um The way to do it is the way we did it though.
5: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh god. <laughs> not not the other way. It's Grave of the Fireside first and Totoro second. Yes.
1: Yes. Never Totoro. God, first. Don't do
3: it in reverse.
1: <laughs> that was like taking a wonderful drug. <laughs> it
3: really was. Like, but like, like it's not because um it's not because the film's bad or anything or, or lesser than. It's just that uh, it, it's a personal taste to if I'm if I'm on an island and there's two hundred and fifty great films, I'm worried that I've already got enough darkish films and that this film that is quite dark and has some really strong thematic um, moments in it, I, I wouldn't put it there. Um, so that's kind of my reasoning behind not having it, even though it is, like, it's a great the
2: film. I- the irony, Graham, is you'd probably be on the desert island because of the environmental issues that are highlighted <laughs> yeah. by the movie.
0: Because you hadn't watched Mononoke <laughs> okay enough and hadn't internalised it. This-
1: um it used, it used to be the mainland, and now it's an island. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yeah, Graham hasn't actually moved to the island. He's just waited where he is right now um, for the sea levels to rise. But what about yourself? He's like,
1: all right, beachfront property. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Surf's up. Um, um, but yes, yeah.
0: so D, what about yourself? Would it be on your own personal 250, your own favorite 250 movies ever?
2: The funny thing is... If you'd ask me after my second watch I'd definitely <laughs> say no but that that, that we call lucky number 3 you know um I'd say yes but I would probably have it in around the 200s I feel like it would drop and come back up um, for basically for similar reasons that Graham highlighted there and that it is it is a little it's it's quite devoid of hope I know it's not hopeless but it's definitely, yeah, I, I prefer movies that are just a bit more optimistic in tone if I'm going to like kind of be re-watching them over and over and call them my favourite movies. They're, they're just the kind that I turn to automatically, I suppose, as my favourite.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of fair. Although I will say actually, and again, non and keep this as vague as possible, the ending that the movie did eventually land on, I ended up feeling like that was the best possible ending for everybody <laughs> involved pretty much like given how the movie threatened to go at several points i was like this is actually not that bad an ending as, as these things go without getting too spoilery um
5: but i, Andrew, I suppose it's the
3: fact also. that it's um i'm either like if you're going to be hopeless just be full-on hopeless but if you're going to and if you're going to have hopeful nature a uh, hopeful theme in it it's got to be it's got to be fairly strong uh towards the end with princess mononoke it's not quite that level of strength for me to be like, okay, okay, I can buy in, I'm okay.
4: I'm going to disagree with you on
2: that. Okay. Yeah. It's also not just the ending, but throughout the film, it never feels like there can be a resolution. So it's not just the ending that leaves you feeling kind of down, but like the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, like the ending isn't like a surprise downbeat ending. It's like, no, this is, this is about level. This is about where the movie feels like it's pitched itself. I think. Yeah.
1: I want, yeah, it's interesting because we, we, we've spoken about the environmental kind of message of, of, of the movie, but it, it's, it's, it's a feminist message as well. Um, and I liked the way there is nuance in that as well. As in, like, me, 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 me Miyazaki is quite good for strong female characters. He's quite good as well for strong female villains. That the, the, this, kind of um because there 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 there's a kind of a, a terror that people don't have which is that the world is going to end and then there's a terror that people do have which is that the future is female and like oh no that's threatening <laughs> me um you know um so i i liked i liked the way the uh, the, the the movie dealt with that um but uh, would it be on my own 250? Yes, was the that was the yeah, was a question. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering in with regards to the ending. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to think what people um, think about the kind of conclusion of it. Um, but would it be on my own 250? Um, maybe. Can I do it, Aaron? Can I say maybe?
0: <laughs> Fine. And that means I have to say yes. Damn it. We only get one maybe <laughs> each round. So yes, it would probably be on my own 250 third watch round. I kind of, I loved it again the third time round. Um.
2: Andrew, let us know what you think the third time. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, Darren, ask
3: me on my second watch. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, what yeah. happens if D and Darren watch it on the fourth time? A
2: fourth time.
3: Yeah. Like... yeah bad to say it just No, I'm not again.
2: touching it again to make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> Just keeping
0: it at I this like that
2: on. high. Yeah. This is high. as it going to get? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: all right this then. Watch. Um, Let's <laughs> go. This gold watch right here. This third golden <laughs> watch. Um. All right then. And breed. Final question then. Uh, if listeners have not seen Princess Mononoke, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it? It is available on HBO Max in the US and is available on Netflix in the UK and Ireland.
4: I definitely would. Absolutely. Mm. Go watch it and come back. <laughs>
0: all right and graham yeah uh yeah
3: okay and- <laughs> oh sorry that was the question oh i thought you were going and graham yes you really well no i appreciated like the very strong answer it's like yes what are you doing listening much <laughs> um yeah totally like like again netflix dropped all the ghibli films on netflix watch all of them and come back like this like all of them are great <laughs> All of them are great, but that's a very
0: substantial time commitment for this podcast. So it's I feel Justice like... League. Fair <laughs> point.
1: Um... <laughs> was our podcast longer than Justice League?
0: Um, depend depends on whether you watch it on Sky. If you watch it on Sky, it was about the same length. Um, because of right. frame What if, what if you
1: listen to it on Spotify? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, we won't get into that conversation. Um, but D, would you? Spotify recommend-
1: are nice to even have us on, in fairness.
0: They really are. Uh, we're very happy to be there, Spotify. Um, but Dee, yeah. D, D, what about yourself? Would you recommend that listeners pause the podcast and watch Princess Mononoke?
2: Um, yes, absolutely. And just as a little, like, kind of side note, because I find those fun, um, I'd also say don't be put off by the running length, because I have found that, like, when it comes to like animated features and stuff when it's like ninety hundred minutes i'm like yeah yeah i'm gonna go for that this one's about two hours 14 minutes and i swear to god it flies by like all three times i watched it it Flew by that running length. It was quite amazing. And actually, fun behind the scenes fact because I just thought that this was really interesting when I read it. I can see Darren nodding now because I'm pretty sure he knows this because he has his research. But listeners
0: <laughs> can't see the air quotes. His <laughs> research, if you will.
2: <laughs> but um the now disgraced Harvey Weinstein um at the time was kind of putting pressure on Hayao Miyazaki to cut the movie down he said that it was too long for an American audience so um, Miyazaki's producer responded by sending Weinstein a samurai sword with a two word message that said no cuts which I think is amazing (laughs) I just love that the most boss move ever yeah
0: Yeah, and Miyazaki interviewed in The Guardian I think 2006 was like I killed the monster and it's like that interview reads hopelessly naive in hindsight but we do appreciate it Miyazaki Um, yeah no and we'll we'll talk about that Yeah.
1: I, I i think like um weinstein was an an actual monster like he would be if you if you were writing a a a miyazaki movie and he was the um monster you wouldn't you 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 would probably find that it 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 wasn't nuanced enough you know <laughs> that 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 good good and evil is just far too obvious or something but um anyway um, but
0: yeah but yes um and yes it is actually 214 fourteen. It is the longest movie that Miyazaki's made actually which is is worth noting as well um so but again we'll talk about it in the spore zone i think that it does some very interesting things structurally and i think the length is part of that in that it feels like a movie that looks like it's about to end three times and each time it it doesn't end but you're like just keep going please um and then andrew would you recommend that's what that she
1: said the- Oh, sorry, um, no, I was going to say, Darren, yes, I would recommend uh, I can see people... we are as
0: appropriate for children as the movie that we are discussing that... um yeah,
1: <laughs> does this have a fifteen rating? It doesn't it does it. <laughs> um, no, I beg your pardon um no I d- the only reason why I said that was because I was thinking about your recent article on The escapist about like whether whether is such a thing as kind of unnecessarily long. Um, kind of, um,
0: uncomfortably long, eh?
1: Uncomfortably long media. Yeah, anyway, um, I'm sorry. It was about film um, run
0: times, actually.
1: That it just, was about film run times. Just,
0: just, just to be clear, okay. Yeah. case yeah, Andrew yeah. is insinuating anything else. But sorry, Andrew, would you recommend that listeners would pause you, the podcast out, and watch from...
1: <laughs> like, Why don't I... Like, I should I should leave it out there. That way people will go to the escapist to find out if... if <laughs> like, what what <laughs> is... It, it... <laughs> I beg your pardon. I would recommend that people either stop the podcast, watch the movie, and then come back and listen to the rest. Or stop the podcast, watch the movie... Then listen to us talk about Spirited Away. Then watch that movie. <laughs> then come back and listen to... Uh, yeah, maybe do it that way. I don't know.
0: The machete um, order. I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've been covering Star Wars movies for far too long. And yes, I would entirely agree um i think this is an interesting movie in terms of subs or dubs i think this is the rare movie where there's not that much difference between the subtitles and the dub for reasons that we'll probably talk about when we get to the the spoiler zone as well in that like the entire script was rewritten from scratch by gaiman based on the translation and so that was the script that was used for the subtitles because it was ported over for american audiences at the same time so it's pretty much the same text in either form and I I like the American voice cast a, a great deal, in particular the the weird Billy Bob Thornton. Um, he just not. He
3: just sticks out like a sore thumb. And in, a, in it, a, can I guess who he is? Oh, go
0: on, guess who he is.
1: Oh, have you not watched? the? Not watch the did you not watch the? Dub? I did not. I watched. Okay. I watched this. I watched the subs. Is he the monk? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: Giga, I think is his name, or something. yeah, Jigo. Yeah. Jigo. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm so proud of myself.
0: <laughs> well, to be fair, given the characters you had, I'd be very surprised he was playing Ashitaka. Um, yeah, he's Ashitaka. Yeah. Oh God.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. There's that bit when he starts talking about baseball. Uh, <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, out see of this, nowhere. Is... <laughs> see
0: this village here? It used to be a capital of baseball in Japan. But then everybody died.
1: That's the message yeah. here. <laughs> I'm a musician. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm going to Actually, today, base, baseball is very big in japan it is indeed they 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 compete in the world series don't they yeah that's that's why they're allowed to call it the world series <laughs> the one um... reason because it's
0: the one other place um all right then with that yeah. in mind then we'll segue neatly into the spoiler zone
1: Boy on his own. So, D,
0: what is Princess Mononoke about for you?
2: I mean, I think I kind of did, um, you know, get into that with regards to the main thing that I kind of took away from it with regards to, you know, the different perspectives, the difficulty it is to find like reconciliation. And then I think it's just also reflective of. That and other concerns that are going on in the contemporary world, um, particularly to do with the environment, how the natural world is a very beautiful place, but it is also very vulnerable and it is being decimated um, to this day. And I find it interesting as well um, with regards to um, the kind of who that message is intended for because def- certainly for an adult audience watching it, they pick that up. It's, it's a very mature theme, I think, um, for an animated movie. But I also find it kind of funny that Miyazaki has kind of gone back and forth with regards to kids watching it, because in one interview he said it's not meant for very young children. But then in another interview, he said that children understand that there are these contradictions in the world. They understand that the world is full of violence and therefore it's fine for them to watch it. So I think that that's kind of an interesting um, aspect of the movie and what it's about and who it's for as well.
0: Yeah. Um, I actually have a really, like, a quote that I love. A very Maizaki quote is probably the best way to describe it when he talks about, like, the movie. Because he was asked about how dark it was and how much more intense it was than movies like, say, Kiki's Delivery Service and, and Porco Rosso. <laughs> it's um, really weird that you went with Kiki's Delivery Service yeah. of all the films. And and My Neighbor, T- well, those are the films that he made in The Gap. And and Maizaki, like said that in he was both, in the blip, as it were, <laughs> in the five years, Thanos' snap. Um, I love that. The Maizaki wasn't taken. Instead, he came out of retirement and made another movie. <laughs> um, but um, so, yeah, so here he, here's what he said he was inspired by. He said he was inspired by the war in Yugoslavia. And here is the quote. It was a huge risk, totally different from when I was making Kiki. I'd had that experience with Porco Rosso. The war happened in former Yugoslavia, and I learned that mankind doesn't learn. After that, we couldn't go back and make some film like Kiki's Delivery Service. It felt like children were being born into this world without being blessed. How could we pretend to them that we're happy? I really think I exhausted the animation staff with this film. I knew that was going to happen, but I felt that we had to do this. When I finished, I said, I don't understand it. What did I make? At first, I decided this is something children shouldn't see but in the end i realized no this is something that children must see because adults they don't get it children understood it Yeah. so again children helped it out again i was able to make the next film
1: well it's it's about it's about the state and private companies getting together to destroy the old order like, like the mountain or the forest and, and builds um like the Iron Town or a New City. Like 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 how they t- tore down old old Detroit. Detroit in uh, to in Robocop. Builds Delta City <laughs> in Robocop. The the um but, obligatory
3: um, Robocop was one. <laughs> Well done guys. We're only an hour in and you got it. Um,
1: but it, it's 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 also about the the, the like um they the, the, because it's the emperor who is kind yes. of like decreed this. to he's like put a warrant on on the forest god essentially, and and people are trying to make some money out of um, enacting those those orders, and it's a kind of a re- re- replacement of the old gods with the new. Yeah. So of um. Because of, the emperor um, is
0: seen as, as spiritually being a descendant of the gods, wasn't he? Like in terms of Japanese yeah, and Shinto,
3: but and- but he was looking for a way to stay immortal. Well, sorry, he was looking for a way to become immortal, and that's why he went after the wood to, spirit, Forest spirit, to kind of kill
1: to kill the the pagan gods and to 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 make it like a god of mammon yeah. um, instead, I guess. Um, Yeah
0: because Jigo is a monk he's he's not a samurai he's not a mercenary Jigo is
3: Yeah In the dub at least it says he's an ex-monk
4: Well there's a lot about that character because Miyazaki said he was very conflicted about what that character was meant to be Mm -hmm. and he had about four options and in the end he just kind of went with a bit of all of them Yeah and kind of threw them all together
3: He's a he's, hunter, he's an assassin. He's a, he's a monk.
4: Yeah, there was a lot
3: He's voiced by Billy Bob Thornton. He's Billy um. Bob Thornton, which is a theme unto itself. It's like now I'm Billy. Now I'm Bob. <laughs> so. I mean I loved I just loved I loved the world of the film and the fact of bringing up the whole fact that they're trying to kill gods is it's very matter of fact. They're like, Oh yeah, the gods the gods. Like when the when the first demon shows up and it's the boar and they just and they kill it and they say, Please don't, you know, we're sorry we had to kill you and please don't curse us uh and, and then the way it speaks to them is so unnerving and then it dies and it's just like this world is so cool because we get all this history <laughs> about <laughs> I
0: great. great i mean you could be you could just be like you know in a village one day and all of a sudden a demon storms out and threatens to brutally murder you this is great it's the fact that yeah. like, it's really i, react- I like would a, react
4: like that to be clear yeah.
0: Adds a little bit of excitement, you know, otherwise it's just a really boring Monday. It's
3: it's the, it's the fact that this is their this is their world and that this kind of situation does potentially happen like they know about the gods, they live in relative harmony with the gods and it's the fact that within 10 minutes cuz I checked this, within 10 minutes we have the introduction of this clan, we've the introduction of this whole world of gods and man and you know encroaching on this little clan and then and then it's all taken away. Because Ashitaka, who has been cursed by the demon, has to leave and, you know, he cuts his topknot, which is very symbolic in Japanese realm. It usually means um, renouncing all your titles and renouncing your your family and your home. And it's very sad. And this, they use it as a form of banishment. But I, I absolutely adored it because he's a prince and no one, it's never acknowledged again that he's a prince.
0: That was actually a point of contention yeah. uh, with with Weinstein. Weinstein apparently and Gaiman had a big argument over oh, that. Is he a where, Disney like, prince then? Well, cause, okay, but okay, and and Mononoke is a Disney princess. But the, the
1: I imagine I Weinstein, imagine Gaiman wanted a prince.
0: Yeah, game like uh, Weinstein was like this guy. He lives in poverty. He's just hanging around a village. Why are you gonna call him Prince? You're just gonna confuse the audience. He doesn't like have any royalty. He doesn't have a talking animal sidekick. Sure, he's got the elk, but the elk
1: doesn't talk back. I but he does know, talk we, back.
0: We just don't understand it. He he doesn't have a crown. Just he's loons. like
1: he's like Prince Andrew, your friend. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but yes, yeah, so I know Gaiman. Gaiman fought to keep Gaiman fought to keep the uh, the honorific Prince. And like I I really like Gaiman's response, which is a very Gaiman response. Like Weinstein was like. <laughs> Like, Weinstein was like, well, how do we know that this guy's a prince? And and Gaiman's response was, because everybody keeps calling him prince. That's how you know. And I think I lost everybody.
2: Oh, wait. We lost Aaron?
1: Oh, we lost Aaron. No. Oh, that's not good. He's the
2: best of us.
5: It's <laughs> um... <laughs> a whole no! new situation. Oh, my God. This has never happened before.
3: No!
2: okay we lost you there uh we didn't we didn't panic at all
0: (laughs) (laughs) pretend i said something witty but yeah but basically weinstein said you know he's he lives in poverty he's dressed in rags how are we supposed to know he's a prince and gaiman's response is the most gaiman thing ever which is because everybody calls him a prince that's how you know he's a prince um Yeah. Um, And apparently there was a lot of. He's so
1: good, Gaiman, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Getting newfound appreciation for Neil Gaiman is is great. I don't know why it took me so long. Um, He's very good at talking about kind of storytelling.
0: Yes. Well, that's kind of like his one big recurring theme, actually. Like, it's it's one, like, the core of his work is, is it about stories somehow? Um, And, like, it's notable. Do you want to know how he got this job? Do you want to know how he got the job of writing the English adaptation for this one? Weinstein, Weinstein bought this and he was like, look, after Shall We Dance, who made a lot of money, there's a lot of money, gold in them there. There's a lot of iron if I can clear the forest off here. So what I want to do is I want to take like the best writer in Hollywood and I want him to write the dub because I don't want this to sound like Speed Racer or a Saturday morning cartoon. So he goes to Quentin Tarantino and Quentin Tarantino says, what are you talking about? This is a stupid idea. Why would you ask me to do this? Uh, And you know what? It turns out that Quentin Tarantino's mother is a huge fan of Neil Gaiman. To the point where, like, Tarantino apparently did press for, I think, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction in a Sandman t-shirt that his mother had bought for him. Um, So... Yep, so apparently he said look Neil Gaiman is is a good writer go to him and apparently that that's how he was brought on board. And apparently like to be fair to Gaiman Gaiman actually did make a really good effort to adapt the text as literally as possible from the Japanese. Um and it it should be noted that there were a lot of push and pulls again with with Miramax over this. Miramax wanted something that was incredibly generic. Um so for example <laughs> Yeah, it's surprising. Absolutely, That's no one. Such a great
3: nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, How'd you know? Wait, like, oh, listen, listen. He's a great prince, but let's get let's get some Eric up in here. Let's you know. Let's not. Let's not. Let's, let's you know. Yeah. On.
0: Does his name have to be let's, Ashitoka?
3: Can't it be Dave?
0: How about Dave? Let's I'm just, just say it
1: he's there. a guy. <laughs> yeah,
0: and every man. We want somebody audiences can relate to, right?
3: I mean, John how many everyman? F- I like it. <laughs>
1: but okay, so like actual actual
0: arguments that that Gaiman had. Over words like samurai, which is an argument that he won. He had arguments over sake, which he lost. He had arguments over the word Japan and the word China, which he also lost uh, because Merrimack said. For
3: sure, said, they said sake at one point.
0: Maybe they maybe he got it in once, but he remembers there being a big, huge argument over it. And and my favorite, like
1: really, that petty... was a good idea. By the way, could I, can I, can I just say for a moment? If it was Harvey Weinstein's idea to take out any reference to China, then that's probably <laughs> stood the movie in good stead. Because now we can watch it. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> On the Disney streaming service eventually when it arrives or whatever. Um, yeah,
1: but- yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, unlike Kundan. I like that. Yeah, he saved it from the Kundan exactly. pile, basically. Um, but we, we should yeah. actually. One of the things that I like because it's the gunpowder. The the guns that they use all came from China. They're all imported from China. You know, the way that they use gunpowder throughout. And so that line was cut. And one of the most interesting and petty and kind of weird changes, and this is probably a nice kind of segue to talking about Ashitaka the protagonist. At the start of the movie, um Ashitaka basically leaves the village. Um and as he's leaving, a girl named Kaya comes along. Oh up to yeah,
3: him. I noticed this as well. Mm-hmm. Did you notice this? Yeah, his sister.
0: His sister in the English dub. Yes, not in the
3: Japanese. Oh very good, Graham. Can you know this, then? She's a girl who loves him in the village. She's not his sister. She fancies him. No, she's his She's his
0: betrothed. Yeah, no, she, she doesn't fancy him. They're supposed to get married. Yeah,
4: is that in the, is that in the Japanese? Well, not in the subtitles. The subtitles... No,
0: the, su- the, sub-ti- the subtitles are based on Gaiman. The subtitles are based on Gaiman's writing. In Japanese, she refers to him as Anisama, which literally translates as older brother, but is closer to, like, bro, basically. Yeah, because when I
3: was researching it, it did say she's supposed to be his... Um, she loves him.
4: But the interesting thing is she's voiced by the same voice actress who voices San.
3: Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. She's, she's voiced by she's voiced by Claire Danes. No, in
4: the Japanese. Oh, right. Sorry. I I, f- I feel like
1: that the 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 dubbed version makes the end of the movie make more sense um, because when when we realise that Ashitaka is just a f- boy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No. That that's exactly it. It's, God, it so does yeah. because nice, he doesn't get with. Oh wow. Okay. Well, no, yeah. Because it's honourable. That's the
0: big difference between the, like, that's a really weird specific change that, you know, Miramax made for that exact reason, which is like in the Japanese version, Ashitaka is a guy who rides out of town. His betrothed come up and gives him a little diamond dagger and says, promise me, promise me you'll never forget me. And he says, I promise I will never forget you. And he still then says that though? Then he gives No, it to but that, but it's different if it's to his sister. It's very different if it's to his sister. And then within 24 hours he sees a woman whose mouth is covered in blood next to a giant wolf Hi. on the other side hey, of the river. Hey, don't kink shame. <laughs> and he's like
2: Takes all kinds.
0: Yeah, he's, he's 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 quite literally like I loved you the moment I saw you. And like What I really like about that detail is that, like, it turns Ashitaka into this really weird, horny teen where he's like, because like all of this, like the sequence where he goes to Irontown, and he goes into the women, yeah, and he's basically
3: like he's like man meat for the women.
0: But no, look, but but if if you if you watch this and you think he's a chase hero, it's all very boring. And look, oh, he's helping out because he's a decent guy. But if you're like,
1: takes off his clothes, like quite quite intentionally he's he's just as thirsty as like there's no reason for him to get in he's he's like oh let me just take this shirt off
2: yeah what do you what do you call that that he's wearing because it makes his arms look real buff (laughs) and yet his chest kind of puffs out and it's it's hot i gotta say (laughs) for an animated character i'm like they should uh we should introduce those in the 2020s
0: (laughs) it's like a wonder sweater basically is kind of what it is like a
2: But like missing.
1: Guys, I just checked and he's (laughs) twelve.
2: Twelve year olds can be both.
1: (laughs) Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but,
2: but like, no, no, but no like, the,
0: if you watch that sequence, the way in which it's played, like he jumps on there and the women are all like, wow, this is very, you know, like at one stage when the women says, oh, he can't keep this pace all night. um, Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes,
3: there is a, there is a reasoning. Um, One of the reasons why I love the film is uh, the, the, minute, the minute details into animation and in that. So with D, when D mentioned that weird kind of uh, shoulder arm kind of sleeve, that's actually for his bow. That's actually to keep it that he can take off his ah. stuff, take off his clothes, but still keep it for the bow.
2: And look good doing it. <laughs>
3: and, <laughs> and watching the one, of the, one of the weirdest scenes that I really enjoyed was him restringing the bow. Yeah, which he does at the very start. The detail they put into it when he's restringing the bow as he's running to run. Well, he's waiting for,
0: he's waiting for your call like it's like Yakul hasn't arrived so I'm just going to restring my bow no no pressure
3: here
4: yeah makes sense
3: it's just like it's just it's just <laughs> an average of detail and minute detail yeah. they went into every time they had to look up something that was say um I know it's a fictionalized version of ancient Japan but it's just something that makes it it adds a little bit more realism to it which is kind of what they're also going for i suppose with mm-hmm. the fact that the lessons hit harder because it feels like it's a world that maybe we've forgotten about because of our selfishness cuz there there's a recurring theme as well about his
1: faithlessness is everybody is like whose side are you on, and um, and there's there's also like at the end he says to Princess Mononoke, he's like, "I'll see you in the forest, I guess." Like, Whenever he's I can, like, whatever. He's gonna he's gonna call around every now and then when he feels like it. <laughs> yeah, he's no, also no going to Divide I, his time between like, Iron <laughs> all town of these, with these the, prostitutes. With, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, um, uh.
4: He does establish Sorry? himself as a bridge between mm. the kind of two lead female characters. Yeah. yeah. You, that represent yeah. the two theme, main themes of the film. And he's kind of somewhere in the middle. Well,
0: that's the thing is that like that, I think like the Japanese version of Ashitaka is much more interesting because you have that kind of like proto-howl kind of proto-boy thing going on where he's this kind of like, he's a little bit of a mess. He's a little bit like the moment where like Eboshi, where he's like between Eboshi and San, he's like, you two need to stop fighting. And Eboshi's like, oh, she'll make a great (laughs) wife. And it's like in the English version, that's really odd because he's so chaste and so like, you know, reasonable and dignified. But But what are you saying that, Darren? In the Japanese version he seems like a bit of a horn dog and you're like, Yep, yeah, she's got his number. She knows exactly what he's doing here.
1: Like my be- opinion- Well, he's he's struck by like he, he he has this monster that's taking over his right arm like the, this like idle the, hands the, the, is that what we're saying yeah yeah I felt I like w- seeing that I, w- I was like I feel like on some level like <laughs> it's not a major theme but that that uh, that there that was there a minor theme of, of w- what do we call it on the podcast onanism um, let's
0: call it
3: onanism that's that's, that's the, yeah, that euphemism yeah. um, I just want to funny how much like Justice League and much like whatever film we're talking about that has Jason Momoa in it moved on to talking about We've ta- started talking about the themes and everything in this, and we've just started talking about um, an animated character's body and how he, how his supposed yeah, yeah. horniness has infected the entire film. Yeah. Oh, okay. let's talk about
1: the Kodama <laughs> and the arses on them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay,
0: but my 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 point though is that like my one of my big issues with the movie in English is the fact that Ashitaka is a. Sur- very bland protagonist. Like the movie, as, as Dee mentioned, like the thing about the movie is that it it has a lot of nuance and it's got all these, everybody has a perspective and a side and everybody has a reason for doing what they're doing. And I kind of love that instead of like Iboshi being like the evil villain who's out to ruin nature for money. Instead, it's more like, no, she's trying to create a place in the world where, Like, as a woman, she can hold power, but also where women aren't exploited and taken advantage of, and where lepers are kind of welcomed and not treated as inherently cursed. And, like, you get even with the forest, and you understand why the forest is pushing back against her, and there's the moment where, like, Mononoke is about to kill her, and she's like, oh, by the way, I know you're angry that we killed a couple of wolves and boars, but just so you're clear, you killed these women's husbands as well, so, you know, maybe nobody's hands are clean. And, like, one of my slight problems with the English dub is that Ash- because Ashitaka sometimes feels a little bit too bland and generic and wholesome and all like, well, why are mom and dad fighting? Uh, and kind of almost hopelessly naive. Is that is that just me? Am I being unreasonable or unfair or?
2: Um, I, I don't think so, but I also kind of um, well, I do think Billy Crudit, by the way, does a good job in voicing that character because I do think that that is the way he was intentionally written and I kind of like it because I don't think the story is about him really I think it is mostly about the tension between San and Lady Boshi and that's where the conflict is at its heart and that's where it's at the most it's most interesting I did think that it was interesting that at least in the English dub version which is the one I saw uh, from my interpretation they still kind of maintain that whole idea of Ashitaka as a kind of cowboy like figure Um, Miyazaki apparently was kind of influenced by John Ford Westerns in this movie as well as in his wider works but I mean you see that in the Ashitaki character he is an outsider he's not part of either world um, when he first enters both worlds and then by the end he's really only become a mediator between the two Um, but it's also kind of nice that he's not quite the cowboy hero in that he doesn't go in um, save the day and just leave both worlds I kind of liked that his status at the end wasn't quite the cowboy um, hero as well and obviously he's got like your deer and your bow as opposed to um, the uh, you know the horse and the gun or whatever Um, and I mean another film that I found and I mean this might be a big big stretch but it was just something that kind of came to mind as I was watching this was that another Western that really came to mind was Johnny Guitar because in that film at the heart of it you've got two women who are vying quite aggressively for power and this kind of male character who the film is named after but isn't really about at all um he's kind of like somewhere stuck in the middle um especially kind of romantically as well as in terms of that kind of competition or whatever um but I didn't necessarily see it as a bad thing that Ashitaki was kind of sidelined I actually found that a more interesting aspect and that's not just me being a woman preferring the female characters or whatever I just thought that it made for a more interesting film that he wasn't really ultimately a protagonist that that kind of power was always taken away from him but I mean you could also say that about the other characters as well, they're kind of constantly trying to take agency and be the ones who are in power and in control of the situation and none of them can be. I think Ashitaka is the only one who's kind of willing to um, give up that power. And if anything, that makes his character um, more interesting in that way anyway.
0: Um, we should actually note actually, the because um, Graham mentioned it a little while ago, the idyllic village um, in which kind of uh, Ashitaka is introduced, which I think is the Amishi village. Like, even that, like, and Graham mentions kind of it's, it's this idealized, almost magical world. It's very peaceful. It's very tranquil. They make the point that that village is dying, basically. That, like, they've been living in exile, that their bloodlines are getting thin, that, you know, there isn't necessarily a future for this community. And that, like, the departure of Ashitaka means basically the end of them. So I like that even, even that idealistic past, like, completely separate from all the stuff that happens over in the forest with Irontown, is completely erased and completely gone. Um, and to be clear, uh, just there, D. I wasn't suggesting that Ashitaka, like, needs more stuff to do. I was actually, like, when he arrived, it was more like, I'm much more interested in, like, the story of San and kind of uh, Ibeshi um, as characters uh, than I am in, in kind of Ashitoko getting between them and saying, guys, stop, stop fighting. You guys should maybe, like, talk to each other and, like, listen to each other and not kill each other. Uh, maybe that'd be a good thing to do.
3: I um, like the fact that, um, the whole fact is that it's, you know, that the film is, um... You know, man encroaching on nature and destroying nature, and the balance is gone. And the fact is, I, I took it that the balance was already gone by the fact that the emperor had already ordered the destruction of uh, Akatash, uh, Sorry, Ashitaka's um, village. His whole tribe, you, you know, his tribe had been decimated, and that was in my when I rewatched this, and I think this is my fourth or fifth rewatch. Um,
0: so, how are you on that roller coaster?
3: oh it's always it's always good just this time it's just like i i suppose it's age the first time i saw it i was in my teens the next time was in my early 20s um there was a period where i was watching it a lot and now coming back to it as a 30 year old who worries about the future and you know how they can't how i can't really help in any uh meaningful way this does strike differently than it did when i was a you know young teen Idealize the world and stuff like that, so yeah, it it definitely changes each time you watch it, especially when you hit different milestones in your life. But uh yeah, I find that the balance in the world has already changed by the time Ashitaka reaches the Iron Village because his vill- I feel like his whole clan were what kept helped keep the balance, and it just uses a throwaway line that the Emperor had destroyed them. And I'd say that the reason why was because they were probably keeping the balance and weren't kowtowing down to the Emperor's mad will to be a mortal. Was it like 500 years ago that that happened?
0: Yeah, so it's not, it's not the same Emperor. Like, he hasn't... No, no, no. Yeah. But it's
3: that, his, yeah. that it's that their family fell to the to the to the line of the Emperor. That's what I, I mean. I,
0: I'm not... Enter- like, again, part of me watches this and kind of wonders. Like, I'm not entirely sure I buy that from Mizaki. I think Mizaki's more well, humanity's always sucked and it's always been terrible. It's always been kind of unsustainable and what? we're just, we're like reaping the consequences of that now. I
1: think he's an anti herzog, kind <laughs> of. That, 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 you know, that that's nature is not our enemy. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are nature's enemy
0: well no that that's that's explicitly it i mean like environmentalism has been a big key theme of his work we went back and we talked about it when we talked about noska and we talked about the Peter castle in the sky and things like that and like it's worth noting that like maizaki in 2015 spent 2.5 million dollars building a nature sanctuary um on japan's southern kume island um as well which is is, again very much kind of committed to it as well um things like where does
1: the money go on the, on the two and a half million bird <laughs> nature sanctuary It's presumably just buying land yeah. and then saying there you go yeah. <laughs> there you go nature, nature have be, it.
0: yeah be nature <laughs> yeah. Uh, all the birds are lining their putting, nests with 100 yen bills
1: you know <laughs> putting up boards and things <laughs> yeah. like with descriptions I
0: love that we're kind of hipsterizing right. it it's like gentrification um <laughs> uh, But like, but like, obviously, like, even the the forest here is is based on like the Yakushima Island, for example, um, which is a very specific forest, a very specific place, um, in Japan as
2: well. But like, I saw footage from it, by the way, and the likeness is incredible. Like, it really looks like. Look up a video of it because it's just it's such a beautiful forest. I kind of want to go there now when we can travel, (laughs) obviously. But you know. (laughs)
0: Uh, but like, like it is worth noting in that context that yeah, it is is very much about this idea of balance and nature, and again, the setting of the movie in the Muromachi period. And I did mention we might come back to it, and we did so, Bing. But yeah, the. That was the period in which you had the Japanese introducing uh, things like Zen gardens as part of Buddhism as well. Like in the idea of like nature as something that was tamed by the powerful. And like and again, you have that sequence even here where you have Eboshi and like you're supposed to think, oh, my God, she's going to turn out to be a villain. She's like, come, let me give you a tour of my evil lair where I make guns and kill animals. And she's like, oh, by the way, I keep a nice garden. I have a bunch of prostitutes who have nowhere else to go, and these lepers here would be dead if it wasn't for me. So just in case you were thinking I'm a terrible human being, I'm probably not. But I do like the part of the tour that she gives is, by the way, here is my garden. Here is me trying to control nature. And again it's one of those things that I think we've talked, again, we probably talked about it in a Maizaki movie because of course we have, but the idea that like the idea of wilderness is basically a relatively modern invention in terms of human history. The idea of the wilderness is something that exists apart from man that like there's where man lives and then there's the wilderness is something that only really existed in the past two, hundred, four hundred years. years. Um, and like, this is, I think, what Maizaki's getting at here, which is like, this is the point at which man and nature become two separate entities at odds with one another. And you have this theme throughout and Dee was quite right, this, this idea of kind of like juxtapositions, where you have constant situations where forces are set up in opposition to one another so you have the east and the west you have the Exiled Emeshi and iron town in the west you have the you know the asano and iboshi who are fighting the kind of feudal lords you have man and nature you even have like men and women because like the sequence where um ashitaka sits down with the men and he's like oh they let anyone here those women those women have no right being here because of course they are because yeah. they're
1: other all the women Treat the men with the contempt that they deserve. <laughs> it's it, and, and uh, there's there's also like with, within that there there's also like the the you know you would think that it would be you know man against nature, but it's like nature against nature too.
5: Yeah,
1: like, the, like the, the, they, the wolf and the they, boar and the monkey. It feels like they should be all be on the same side. And they're all expecting the forest god to save them as well, but the forest god is a god of life as well as death um so yeah, you have the monkeys and the boars and the wolves attacking each other and they're and and there's there's a kind of a um there's it, it's there there's that interesting thing about petitionary appeals to like a god where God decides what um what God's going to do you know so you go into the 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 river um to heal yourself and it heals one thing but doesn't heal the other and um and it saves somebody's life but doesn't save another person's life and they 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 think that kind of i guess god has their back but god is a kind of a like a creature of balance i guess um, yeah not good or, or evil like
0: maizaki rejects the yeah. idea of good and evil mostly which is kind of striking and kind of i uh, by the way i do love that i love that the forest god is like by the way i will heal your injury your gunshot but not your curse because the movie still has yeah. an hour left in it so you gotta live but you still gotta have character motivation no, which but I he do... had
2: but he had but it's almost like he could kind of predict that he was meant to yeah. still have this for some reason you know and ultimately it turned out to be for you know the right reason so I so again it's kind of godlike you know it's not I won't heal all it's like you have to kind of learn something from this as well (laughs) (laughs) that's more godlike than anything (laughs) Um, but picking up on what Andrew was saying there I was really like struck by that this time round with regards to like the divisions which are within like the kind of forest community as well and I think that the, the movie just so smartly like lays out you know in terms of the story how all of these things are revealed so initially it's because the boar comes into the village so we know that there's something wrong something corrupt going in with the forest and then our next kind of introduction to that particular forest is when Lady Eboshi and her followers are shooting at um, Son and the wolves and then um, then we go into Iron Town and we meet Lady Eboshi and we see everything that's going on there and it's kind of setting up you know them to be bad but not totally vilified either like the human side whereas like you know the forest is all good and it's probably the people's um you know fault why the forest is corrupted and all these bad things are happening and then they actually show you the perspective of the forest community and they're all like kind of fighting with one another and i just thought that it was so it's just so well done you're constantly kind of like processing all of this and thinking and not knowing what's coming next and i just i just think it's great in that way
1: yeah i mean like the and all the and all the boars are stubborn. And all, all the mother wolf wants to do is eat aboshi's yes. head. Like, and the monkeys. <laughs> like, yeah, and the monkeys, I, yeah. I love that sequence where like, like, like where
0: he wakes up and he's like and like he just wanders out to look over the horizon and the wolf is like, You know what? You ever think maybe you should like jump? <laughs>
5: i know yeah i I know that like i know that you just recovered
0: and you're just sort of like we're coming back from this injury that you suffered but you know what what if you didn't just just throwing it out there also i kind of thought about
3: eating your head nobility yeah Yeah. She, she has that whole thing that's her whole quest for like Gillian anderson's character for the whole film that's her quest is to eat eboshi's head and she gets pretty close she eats her arm uh, which is one of the most striking animation animated points in the film, which is saying a lot. When she loses her head and it gets separated from her body and then she snaps at, at Lady Eboshi. It's so weird looking to see this giant wolf head that is the size of a person almost eat this woman.
0: And like the best part of that though is the bit like Eboshi's reaction, which is like, not, not. Oh my God! This decapitated wolf head ate my arm off. It's no. I told you a wolf's head can still bite. It's like damn Iboshi's cool.
2: She almost has. She almost has this admiration in her voice, like damn, fair play to her. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah.
3: It, it's funny because it actually reminded me. Um, Boshi very much mirrors uh, when, especially when that arm happens, and that just it just clicked with me there. She loses her arm. It. It's in Nosaka as well. The female villain, the Nausicaä has a missing arm that is replaced by a metallic arm. Yeah. And she is very reminiscent. Lady Boshi is very reminiscent of that character, who I think is played by Kate... Uma Thurman? I think so. I think so. You know, she's the she's the female villain. And those two characters are incredibly strong women who command attention whenever they enter a scene. Mm-hmm. And I just thought Mini Driver... Because uh, this, this is a... Is this Mini Driver kind of like the height of her career? This is Minnie Driver about
0: a year after Matt Damon dumped her on Oprah. Um, So this is a year after her Oscar nomination while well, she's very... Yeah, what? no. Do you not hear... This is one of those terrible Hollywood stories. She was dating Matt Damon after Goodwill Hunting. And everybody was all like, oh, this is fantastic. It's the two guys from the movie. And they're both very pretty. They're both adorable. And they love each other in real life, just like they do in the movies. This is like a fairy tale. And then Matt Damon goes on Oprah in January 1998. And is like, Oprah's like, so... Tell us about you and Minnie, and he's like, "Well, that's that's over." And apparently, Minnie Driver. was How do you like
1: them apples?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh! (laughs) And
0: and Minnie Driver was watching television at home, and that's how she found out that it was over.
2: Damn. Yeah, Matt Damon. It's not like it's it's a live TV
3: (laughs) show. That would have been pre-recorded. No, but he
4: didn't. Well, she must have
1: known about Ben Affleck. (laughs)
4: He didn't break up with her. That's how. Oh, okay.
3: Yeah. All right. So the film. Yeah,
4: actually, film. So back to the
3: film and not sad.
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, I'm sorry, but no, she she is fantastic here. And actually, like, you mentioned Nausicaa there. It's worth mentioning a couple of other similarities. Like, the portrayal of the heart of the forest reminds me a lot of the portrayal of the toxic jungle where you have these kind of columns and trees and it's all kind of like a shrouded space. And things like the spirit of the forest becoming, like, the Night Walker, and then, like, becoming this terrifying ooze that touches that burns everything that it touches reminded me a lot of the god warrior sequence if you remember the god warrior sequence from nausica as well so it feels very much like it's it's kind of two peas in a pod there and like to, to bring it back to this idea that we kind of talked about like the other the idea of there being self and other or there being us and them i really like that the movie repeatedly comes back to that theme so you have it like with the um with san where like the, the wolf god actually says, my beautiful, ugly, terrifying daughter, who is neither wolf nor human. And again, you have this idea of San who is human and is a wolf, but can be neither because the lines are so firmly delineated between the two. And by the way, it is worth noting, and I think we kind of mentioned this with Howl's Moving Castle, um, but there is the character, um, the wolf is played by Akiro Miwa. Um, who is actually the drag performer who played the witch in Howl's Moving Castle as well. So you have this idea of kind of the blurring of gender lines as well, because the, the wolf is still, and again, you guys listen to the, Andrew listened to the, uh, the yeah. dog. Uh, yeah. It's a very macho masculine voice. It's a very deep voice, but it's still a female character. So you have that blurring of lines. And we don't really talk about it that much, but the animation style, the, an- even, cause Maizaki was very involved in this. Reportedly, Maizaki either drew, or redrew 80,000 of the 144,000 animated cells. And by the way, I believe this was the last Maizaki movie and probably last Ghibli movie to be animated using cells rather than digitally. But he- Yeah,
2: something like 90% of the movie is hand-drawn, only 10% CGI, which is just incredible and kind of just reminds you again of what a beautiful, like, Accomplishment in animation. No, it's
3: twelve frames per second, so you divide one hundred and forty-four thousand by twelve, and that's how many <laughs> drawings.
1: Yeah, no, that that's that's how that's many is it. that, Graham?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, we're over a year um, into a pandemic. That's too much to ask of anybody. Um, <laughs> but like to, to bring it,
1: back- I yeah, the, I I feel like um, I'm going to guess that the Nightwalker stuff was done digitally. And I feel like that was some of the weaker kind of animation of the movie, or at least personally, I didn't enjoy it. It just wasn't to my taste. But the 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 kind of spangly um,
0: CGI shimmery uh, thing,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it is. It, it is.
0: It was two two things they use CGI for. The first was for, and we I think we talked about we talked about how depth CGI is very good for layering depth. I don't know why I'm gesturing at the screen when listeners cannot see me gesturing for depth, but I am. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God, it's coming right at yeah. us. <laughs>
0: um But the idea is that, yeah, basically, like, because animation is 2D, like pen on paper, you go left to right or whatever, you can use CGI to go deep. So there are point of view shots of uh, Ashitaka kind of riding, and he's riding into the shot, and that's layered via CGI. But yes, Andrew's entirely right. It's mostly the Nightwalker and the climactic ooze of death sequence that are done using CGI. And I want this is actually what I wanted to kind of mention there, because... And again, we don't norm- we don't talk a lot about the animation that Maizaki does, but the idea of animation as an extension of theme, because throughout you have this idea of boundaries and lines, and because that's what animation is. When you draw with a pencil, you draw the shape of something, and then you color the inside and the outside, and that's how you delineate the difference between it and something else. One of the things Maizaki does here two things that he does. First of all is that he begins playing with that in terms of animation. So like the first couple of times the monkeys appear, you'll notice that they're... Yeah, you'll notice that the apes are not drawn in that style. They're more blocky. They're more like big blobs of ink with dashes of color thrown into them rather than it a clear line. kind light. of lines. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. They're, they feel like magic. silhouettes of the actual apes rather than the actual apes themselves. Like you see yeah, kind of I like feel, they're like negatives of themselves. If you look
1: at them, they feel like some sort of... Um, um kind of technological sort of um standing for um for apes they're, they're they're strange it they um and i i i feel like i guess because they're maybe maybe because they're closer to humans there's something kind of um uh, corrupted about
3: well that's what's going to suggest
1: compared, compared to the animals
3: well, it's strange su- cuz later in the film they show up and they look like apes yeah.
0: Yeah, no as as the movie goes on the lines become clearer but the I would actually wondering like again that's my crazy read on it is the idea because apes are halfway between like the animal kingdom mm. and humanity do they blur the lines yeah, yeah. in that cuz they're the ones they're introduced planting they're introduced like replanting trees which is something that wolves can't do because they can't use wolves don't have thumbs sorry wolves um but like <laughs> You know, like they're introduced doing things that men do or doing things that are equivalent to what humanity are doing. They're using tools. They're using their brains. They're using resources. They're they're making a long term plan for sustainability. And like part of me is wondering, is that early like blurring of them, the way in which they're drawn to suggest that they are neither one nor the other? Um, and, you know, maybe that's me giving the movie too much credit. But I do wonder, like in a movie that is about boundaries and lines, it, it does feels like a very strong choice.
2: Well, I think it's also probably reflective of the fact, isn't it, that um, the animals aren't technically animals anymore. They've kind of entered this like semi-spiritual dimension. And I think that that is reflected um, very smartly in the animation. So I definitely think that that is there very intentionally.
3: Yeah, And then say if they kill those forest spirits, the animals will just revert into just mindless beasts whereas right now they have sentience and obviously are doing all the mass uh, all the strategizing and that for the bat for the battles
4: but you could see the boars were already starting, starting to, to deteriorate it. a mm. bit
1: yeah the boars don't have to spend time strategizing they just run directly <laughs> at whatever
0: they're going at but like
1: uh, exactly uh, i i like that how like they're like stubborn stupid creatures how it's not like kind of like are they literally pig headed yeah, but the, 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 that there's not this sort of like idea that like um, humans bad, animals good is like no, animals stupid. <laughs> humans <laughs> um, also stupid. Animal, animals stubborn. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Humans also stupid. Also speaking on the um, um, themes uh, used by the animation is Ashitaka's scar is the curse on him. Whenever he goes violent, because you notice he doesn't like to go violent. His arms, his arm starts to vibrate and pulse.
0: It goes kind of hulky. It hulks a little but
3: bit. What I found fascinating about it is, and I laughed the first time it happened because I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it. But then, as it, as it kept happening, I uh, started to go, "Oh yeah, I'm terrified of this." Is if this was a Western cartoon, and um, his strength, his inhuman strength, would be shown as kind of a plus, but. In the film when it happens, especially for the first time, when he shoots someone, when he shoots one of the little samurai, and the guy's arm just flies off and the guy's just looking at his arm going, Oh my arm isn't there it's anymore. Both arms. It's both arms. It's both arms because <laughs> he's holding up his blade about to kill someone.
0: And and um And then it's his head and then he shoots a samurai's head off. And then there's a moment Yeah. There's a moment later on which I love, which is two samurai charging towards Ashitaka. He turns around, he fires the arrow and beheads one of them, and the other one just goes, "Nope."
3: And just sort of- <laughs> it's 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 if it, um, it was almost funny, except for the fact that the film doesn't yeah. let it be funny. The film doesn't let yeah, you I, laugh. It just goes, "This I is love- absurd." I love the movie's treatment
1: of violence. Yes. Yeah. And I, 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 so um, I know <laughs> we...
3: Well, I was like, I
4: was 20 we, minutes into
3: the film and I was like, this is surprisingly bloodless. Oh,
4: am I? <laughs> That's really interesting because, sorry, you just said 20 minutes, but 20 minutes is the exact point when and that, that San, sho- sa- no, San shows up. Oh, with
3: her blood. She yeah. shows
4: up 20 minutes into it and then she doesn't return until like 45 yes. minutes into it.
0: <laughs> Which is interesting for like the, the person who's on your DVD cover. Yeah, like- yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't see her she, she,
4: much.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but in the, th- like by the third act, the the animal community particularly, they just have these gashing wounds. Like, like at one point, there is blood gushing out of a mouth. Like, yeah. it's it's quite it's a lot, yeah. you know. But like out, I can see where Nago the 15s came well. from.
3: Hm? Oh yeah, Nago at the beginning of the film Had, is just when he when he like disintegrates. Ugh.
2: Oh yeah,
1: you can smell it. <laughs> I I got the the scratch and sniff version, the um <laughs> the William Castle the, the, version. I, oh. If 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 we're going to compare it against Mad Max, like I think Mad Max Fury Road may, makes um makes violence look kind of cool. Yeah, and this and this makes it look terrible.
3: Like most yeah. um you know Western made films will make try to make violence cool, while Eastern you know Asia um you know Korea. While they can make it look cool, they can do it very well where they go, yeah, this is incredibly violent and it looks really disturbing. Like when, when Ashitaka gets shot, when he's stopping the people from fighting and, he, and the bullet goes right through him, but he just keeps walking. You go, oh, if that was a, again, I I, I say, it, if it was a cartoon from the West, you'd be going, oh, that's really cool. But you see this here you're just like, how is he still standing? He's got a, he's got a bullet. When he's and- pushing...
0: When he's pushing the door, like, when he's pushing the door open, the
3: the shot of his feet with the pool of blood beneath him. Yeah, and well, right? it takes so. ten men to push it, and he's just there going, one hand, going, yeah, what's up? But
4: it's the fact of the reactions, because people aren't impressed by it, they're horrified they're by haunted. it. They're yeah. haunted. Yeah, it's not like, oh, wow, that's so cool. It's, oh, dear God, what is he doing?
3: Yeah, because they call him a demon, and they say, yeah oh, he's cursed, and... If it wasn't for the fact that he's so amicable he'd probably be genuinely terrified of him whenever he enters a scene. That,
1: that's again I think the the power of this as like a a um a movie with a point or as like a polemic is 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 that it would it would, it, it it genuinely ma- it would, would would make you kind of not want it would genuinely make you want to stop killing each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which you is know? what you want really. Like stop that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do
3: that anymore. He bends a katana with his bare hand.
0: But like, I think it's notable that like the curse and the forest god and things like that are one of the parts of the movie that are animated via CGI because they blur the boundaries of the real and the, on. you know, that thing that we mentioned, the us and them. Because it's something bigger, and it's something more horrific, and it's something almost Lovecraftian. Like, there's that sequence where, like, and again, it, it's one of those great moments because it's it's a moment where you're like, this is going to go so wrong, and somehow it goes even wronger than you think it is. But the moment where, like, the they're waiting for the forest spirit to transform into the Nightwalker, and then Ibuchi shoots him, and then this kind of just ooze pours out of him, this shapeless kind of ooze, and it literally, oh, I
1: found. It literally... I found that that face really upsetting. Yeah, sorry,
3: that sorry, fa- that, that human priority. face on that de- on that uh, stag's body just.
4: No, it's the original face before he transforms. No,
3: no, yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. The uh, Graham. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's because
4: there's no head, it goes from neck, face, antlers. There's no actual head.
1: Yeah, it's like a thumb
0: with a human face on it. Basically, is the problem. Um, but yeah. sorry, sorry the- I interrupt <laughs> you, Darren but uh, like the point at which that thing starts oozing out of him and it just becomes this shapeless thing but like and again this is the thing that speaks to how wonderfully weird princess mononoke is the forest spirits which are these creepy ass little skull creatures that kind of just tilt their heads and make this little <laughs> noise as they do they're the cutest creatures in the m- they're the Totoro. like if you're getting they're, anybody they're the kodama yeah yeah kodama they're the, like if you're, get- if you're getting Banana? anybody a, a stuffed toy from this movie it's one of those things and they will never speak to you again but like they're the cute animals they're like the cute part of the movie and then but that they're moment... really creepy but they're kind and of
2: they, they... Che- but they're kind of cherub-like as well in yeah. their design which i think is kind of interesting you know kind of like japanese but, like, cherubs
3: like you don't know if you can trust them but they're cute <laughs> but like the, the point at which like the
0: point at which the mo- like the forest spirit turns into this gigantic ooze monster and it literally starts raining corpses from the ceiling. Oh, yeah,
2: that was really <laughs> upsetting. It's actually, that's such a like nightmarish scene actually. yeah, When the great forest spirit has been decapitated. So like, and it's so like the way it just slowly falls off his head. And then the falling spirits from the body and the ooze and the trees dying. Like I find that so like upsetting to watch like i was like well obviously i've cried at like animations before but it's a really like that scene is that scene is violent in and of itself and that doesn't even have any bloodshed in it
4: i had a very bizarre thought during that that scene i'm watching it and it's like they've built up to this whole yeah we're gonna kill the forest god and it's gonna be great and then it happens and then you're watching their reactions to everything being destroyed and torn apart and it's just like it weirdly just i'm just flash into my head was brexit they thought it was <laughs> going to be great they thought it was going to be great and then it happened and they were like oh no no this isn't what we wanted like they have all the this vaccines what we wanted though
1: they have all the vaccines I, I I I was just in a 2-hour seminar about uh the first hour was Brexit and the second hour was cybersecurity. So I'm I'm all Brexited out.
3: <laughs> with my with my experience what I found kind of terrifying and I don't know how everyone else felt about it was you remember um what's the boar, the blind boar? Otaka Otaka or Nagu, isn't it? No, Nagu is the first Ma- one. Okay. Nagu.
2: Okata, o- Kat- o- o- I think it is. I have it down here, yeah.
3: Voiced by, I believe, Keith David. Yes, the mm-hmm. evil Morgan Freeman. Great actor. He's fantastic. I love him in all in, like whenever I hear his voice. Um, When that poor guy... Even Requiem for a Dream, Graham? No, not <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. He's terrifying in Requiem for a Dream. When he's blind... Well, obviously, he's always been blind. But when he thinks all of his friends, when all of no. his allies have risen from the dead because the... Because he doesn't see that they're humans and they've masked their scent. And he's like, come with me. We'll go to the forest spirit and, and get be, healed.
0: And to be clear, like, the humans have gutted the boar. The humans have gutted the boar, hollowed out their skin, and are, like, running around inside them. It's one of the most, like, horrifying things.
3: It's amazing. Like, it's it's, 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 it's weird. That, weirdly, is the most horrifying moment for me. Because when I was a child, sorry, when I was a teen, I was just like, why aren't they saying anything? Are they actually? Like, I I honestly thought, are they, oh. are they actually them? Are they have the humans actually taking over their bodies or something? And then you see them pop out and go, hey, move, or we'll kill you. Don't mess this up. And it's just, it's so unnerving. And yeah, what what, what, what what follows it is really grotesque, but there's something just sadder because he was trying so hard at first to bring some kind of amicable ending to the war, and then he just gave up. And then he's just there leading what he thinks are his friends to healing. And instead, he's bringing the enemy right to where they want to be. And it's just heartbreaking. And and then the demon takes over him and he eats Princess Mononoke. And that's a whole other messed up um, kind of um, Lovecraftian scene where the tendrils are turning her into something and she's being absorbed by him. And there's something about absorption and horror that always gets me. And it was just it like the way it's animated is beautiful, but also... ugly
0: again like that's the thing about the movie's length is and i mentioned earlier like the idea that it gets to have these endings to it where like you reach a point where it's like oh my god this is the worst thing that could possibly happen this has to be the end of the movie and the movie's like nope um so it's like oh my god the humans have reached the pool they found the center of the forest it's like that's the worst thing that could happen it's like oh no um it turns out that Okada's turning into a giant monster and eating san oh boy, and it's like, okay, well, look, thank goodness they solved that problem, thank goodness. Nope, but- demon kaiju. Yeah, um, which I kind of, like, I love the sense in which it just keeps escalating, and it keeps escalating in terms of, no, that said, I will say, and again, I reckon this is in large part due to Billy Bob Thornton, but I kind of adore Jago's, Jago's reaction. No, I did too. Jago's, Jago's reaction to like, oh my God, this thing is destroying the entire like town, forest and everybody you've assembled. And like his very reasoned response to Osaka, which is, look, he's a brainless, swollen, life-sucking god of death. At sunrise, he'll vanish. Look, everybody wants everything. That's the way the world is. But I might actually get it. I kind of like. I I
1: adore them in the sub.
3: Um, I
1: kind of want to watch
3: the Billy Bob Thornton. He he has the worst dubbing, I think, of everyone in the film and the Japanese ver in in the English version. His dubbing is surprisingly the worst because I don't know why they couldn't match the flap the mouth flaps to him, but it didn't work as well. So he kind of it kind of took me out of the film every now and then. Like Billy Crudup is perfect as Ashitaka. And you know, Minnie Driver's Grace, Lady Eboshi. She, Lady Eboshi. She actually, for me, gave the best tone and everything as her character.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I love Minnie Driver. Yeah. Minnie
3: yeah. and yeah, San Claire Danes plays San really well. Um, but I was surprised it was Billy Crudup.
0: Well, they, they wanted they wanted Leonardo DiCaprio because they wanted to do Romeo and Juliet basically. When they
3: when oh, when they described uh, when Miyazaki described uh, Ashitaka as an unexpected hero, I was like. Yeah, that works. But he kind of works as unexpected hero.
0: Well, it's, a, it's also I think Mizaki said that he's the closest to himself he's written into any of his movies. Um, in that, like, Mizaki, like the character wow. the character of Ashitaka is probably the closest he's come to writing himself. Has to commitment issues. But to bring it back to like Jacob. Go- <laughs> like again, this is the thing. <laughs> um, this. The thing that like, yeah, I
3: like, he would have married his wife if, you know, he hadn't been banished. Um, but the thing that I like, I really love about Jigo is
0: that, like, the movie introduces Jigo as this weird, like, odd, small man comic relief character. It's like he's walking on kind of stilts and he's bantering all the time and he's got all of these. Anecd-
1: <laughs> he's worldly,
0: though. Yeah, he's got all these anecdotes and like he's Danny DeVito in Hercules, basically. He's also he's kind so of surprisingly like. surprisingly the- fast. Well, no, that's the thing is that like and then he becomes this absolute monster over the course of the movie where it's like, oh, by the way, in case you don't decide to go along with this, I won't provide you with any samurai soldiers and, and you'll all die. Uh, was that a threat? I don't know if it was, but I'm just being folksy, uh, which I kind of adore.
2: Um, <laughs> I, I saw um I saw an interview with Hayao Miyazaki, actually, in which um I, I, do, I don't know how to pronounce his character. I think I heard them say Jiga in it. So I'm just going to go with that. Um. I I heard Miyazaki describe Jiga as a very Japanese character and I thought that that was really, really striking because Miyazaki has been very kind of firm in the past about how he doesn't borrow from um, Akira Kurosawa movies at all Um, and I can kind of see that because like if you're a Japanese director you don't want to be compared to (laughs) probably the other big (laughs) Japanese director and yeah exactly it's it's a lot of pressure but like he reminded me of the kind of character that would show up you know that you're one in Seven Samurai Oh, the
0: Tashira Mifune kind of guy, is Yeah, it?
2: exactly. And also um, in Throne of Blood, I'm not sure if that's kind of the same, a similar kind of idea, but just the that kind of opportunist, that weaselly, that slightly cowardly character. And um, what Miyazaki said was that the whole idea of Jiga is that he's a very... Japanese character and I just thought that that was so interesting because it's a character that's obviously just he pops up in Japanese cinema and I just thought that that was kind of a really nice touch because like we know those kind of characters in the Western world surely as well but um yeah. <laughs> well no,
0: like the fact that like he's the Japanese character but he's voiced by Billy Bob Thornton with his yeah. Texan accent. Like he becomes by default the most American of characters, which is kind True. of adorable. Um and like I love that Billy Bob Thornton said that he he wanted to do this movie because he wanted an animated movie he could show his kids. Oh, that was the reason he can't. why. How old, <laughs> old are are is kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now he can't. Well, yeah, let, let's talk about this actually because, like, this is one of the things about it because we mentioned that, like, Princess Mononoke was the first, do, the
1: first. Do- Sorry, does Billy Bob Thornton not force his kids to just listen to his music?
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Boxmasters, is that what they're called or whatever it is? Um, But that's only when they're bold, Andrew. That's only when they miss... I'm sorry, that was mean. I apologize for that. (laughs) I'm sure Um, Billy Bob
3: Thornton is listening and crying. Um, I don't think he's
0: crying. Um, but I do think that um, <laughs> but I he's, what listening. What he's, he's listening.
3: listening.
1: <laughs> but he is a of- good actor, by the he's way. Like like every it, it's like it's like kind of um actors often w- want to be comedians and comedians want to be actors and kind of our, our actors want to be musicians. Like Killian Murphy um is quite yeah, a good musician. actor, but never wanted to be an actor, he wanted to be a musician and there, there's so many kind of examples. Johnny Depp, I think, is another one. You
2: yeah. Oh, Henry Steinfeld. Like yeah, a, you told me that. Yeah. Russell Crowe managed to do both.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he. Yes, he did. <laughs> we should, we should, we should mention Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> oh Yeah, that one. <laughs> In terms of gaps, um, but close yeah. down Dublin
0: um, yeah. because what he? Yeah, well, I mean Hugh Jackman did sell out Dublin. To be fair, he sold out Dublin exactly. for three nights, right?
1: Yeah, and n- not not the Olympia like Russell Crowe. <laughs> the <laughs> <Yeah>. point. <laughs> Um, um,
0: but what I will say actually we mentioned earlier this idea of kind of like Mononoke as the first of the big Disney uh, films the first of like the partnership that Disney had had uh, with Miyazaki. and Maizaki said that the reason why he took the Disney partnership was because he got to do he got complete creative freedom he got everything that he wanted that no cuts policy that Graham mentioned because he knew that like the first thing that would happen based off his experiences with Nausicaa which I think was like rebranded as Riders of the Wind or something like that Um, warriors of the wind or something but like he basically said no no cuts now you can write your your script or whatever you can do your dub you can bring in your actors but the the film stays frame for frame the way that it is and mononoke got an interesting reception uh in america because it was largely the first big anime film to make an impression now to be fair Totoro had done reasonably well in in repertoire screenings it had done reasonably well on VHS it'd become an underground classic but Mononoke was really the first time that American critics brushed up against Japanese animation um and they went in and some of the responses were quite interesting so for example there were articles written in the Washington Post by say Desen Howe complaining about the violence and this was a grossly inappropriate film to be showing children and the movie needed a couple of cuts in there in order to tone things down because it was going to give kids nightmares and it was just horrible. What was Maizaki thinking that he was doing?
1: Well, and that's he... probably fair
0: <laughs>
1: in some ways, but, <laughs> but like, it... like, should shit, like children are going to have nightmares anyway, right?
0: they might as well have beautiful nightmares inspired by like this stuff
1: as opposed to like just
5: yeah, regular nightmares. Yeah, they should be right? afraid
1: of the right sort of thing. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. at least like, they're like, having they should... nightmares about a good practical topic yeah. that they can think about and probably Mommy, mommy,
3: I had a nightmare. About what? Globalism.
4: <laughs> about <laughs> yeah. I'm so scared of global warming.
0: <laughs> yeah, about envir- environmentalism. But yeah, no, like, yeah, so here's Stephen Hunter talking about this. And like, this is an actual quote from 1999. A gigantic Japanese animated feature... Anime appears to be the term of art. The movie is spectacular, is as spectacular as it is dense. As dense as it is colourful. As colourful as it is meaningless. And as meaningless as it is long. And it is very long. In a different age, it would have been seen entirely as a visual accompaniment for a tour of the universe under the influence of any given number of psychotropic substances. Even without the drugs, you're likely to come out with a hangover. The animation is, well, Japanese. That is to say, it's completely vivid and exquisitely detailed and convincing, almost. Somehow, the Japanese haven't quite mastered the one trick remaining in the animation bag which Disney aced years ago, and that's the sense of motion. These creatures are fanciful, even beautiful, but somehow when they move, they don't seem fully alive. The best of Disney, say, the great Bambi, yields a sinuous luminescence, a sense of muscle and bone moving under supple tissue, a majesty. Mizaki's hordes of animators haven't penetrated beyond the skin the moving creatures feel inarticulate and jerky almost weightless particularly when compared against the painterly background mats they are to bambi what godzilla was to beast from the Twenty Thousand fathoms this is a review I'm... in
2: 1999 you
1: know other I'm... than Let... the... sorry go on Andrew. Yeah. no i was I, 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 you 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 might be making the same point you go d
2: I was just going to say, other than the references to Japan and Disney, this could almost be a review of Zack Snyder's Justice League.
0: <laughs> wow, nice. Well well done. Well, well done. I...
2: Sorry, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I had to at some point. I had to. Oh, we look so upset. I'm genuinely sorry now. Sorry. I need to see this. As spectacular
0: as it is dense. Enhance. As, as dense as it is colorful. And as colorful as it is meaningless. And as meaningless... As it is long, and it is very long.
2: That was the line. That, that was the sometimes. line. <laughs> um,
0: sorry, I, I, I did. Graham's I did gonna take agree. a moment. Um.
1: I agree with him to 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 a point where, but it it seems it seems like such a kind of a like he's perhaps right, but it seems like such a a flimsy kind of a hook to damn the movie on. In, in 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 that it does it, they it, it is perhaps true that disney does capture movement better and that there is something kind of drawn about this movie that it, that 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 a lot of it doesn't feel kind of fully alive i think spirited away gets um get, gets that kind of um gets over that and um i think howl as well um but, but yeah, you, you can probably see this on kind of Nausicaa and they're, that there's something kind of like, while beautiful, also sort of... Ornate um, about it, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's not quite alive or something. Sorry, Breeze.
4: Yeah, no, it's interesting because um, after I watched it, I tried to describe the animation in one word. And the word I put down was fluidity. I thought the movements were incredibly <clears throat> fluid. Especially fight scenes, everything just flows really smoothly and beautifully. So I, I completely disagree on the on the movement factor.
0: I was gonna remark on like how interesting it is that this was the first like the first Ghibli film to get a big US opening. And it feels really odd because it's arguably like the most specifically Japanese movie. And like Gaiman said, one of the things that he had writing it was when he was writing it, he had to not only like translate the dialogue, but also the context. So things like the sequence where Ash attack it- chops off his top knot for example you'll notice a lot of the dialogue there happens while ashitaka is doing it because the original dub didn't have all that dialogue explaining the significance of it because japanese audiences just took that for granted you'll notice that for example like discussions of what the forest spirit looks like are added there in in the kind of in the dub because like japanese audiences know this stuff because they've kind of grown up with it which is interesting as well as opposed to having to have it explained to them so it's kind of It feels really odd that this was the first bit where like Disney were like, yeah, this is we're bringing Ghibli to America and the audience, they're going to turn out and they're going to love it. This is going to be exactly what they expect. And I, I think to Andrew's point, it's very revealing that it wasn't until Spirited Away, the next movie that they really broke through that like spirited away became a box office phenomenon relatively speaking as like international boutique releases go it became like the picture that won the best animated film oscar it became the movie that really put ghibli on the I map i
1: had seen it yeah you that know, was how that. popular <laughs> it
0: was
5: <laughs> yeah
0: Andrew had seen it um, and like we talked like I think D, like D, I think you singled that as like Spirited Away as one of your gateways into it, this as I recall and it was oh, the first movie yeah. well it was was the first or second movie that it Breed saw in her, in her film oh, festival oh sorry in your Ghibli film festival it was the first or second movie you saw Breed after oh, House of um,
4: yeah no I can't quite remember. It wasn't first. Time. No, no, But okay. But it was
3: early. But it was early
4: it? on. Early yeah. on. But it's you mentioned.
3: Graham is still silent, by the way. Graham is still. processing. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I'll just say what I want to say about that. That critic. <laughs> he wasn't talking about Justice League. <laughs> I know what he's talking about, and I completely disagree with him at every 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 step of his review <laughs> he clearly is so ignorant about the whole medium of anime and what it takes to put into that work that he compares it to bambi bambi at times is floaty in its movement there's no weight to how bambi prances around the fields but when you stick that towards and i imagine what he was doing at the time was com- was comparing it to yakul yakul when he is moving actually moves like an actual traditional elk even though his elk is 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 um fictional the red elk is fictional oh just that, that 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 critics review is so it's just so telling of how ignorant audiences still can be about anime as a what? format oh, of art it, it was 22 years ago graham to be clear the film is still fantastic it's not like the film has gotten any better since then no, i
0: i know but just when you're saying like how ignorant audiences still are i'm just putting it in context this was like the first this is the first hit that like mainstream american critics got
5: of it's, anime yeah. this
4: actually ties like, into both points both darren's point on um Japanese things that were taken for granted by Japanese audiences, and um, Graham's take on—sorry, um, oh. blanked there for a second—on things that just passed the critics by, and that's the actual meaning of the word Mononoke, um, which I don't—I don't think we've mentioned yet, have we?
0: No, we haven't mentioned the name Mononoke. Yeah,
4: because I think when I first watched it. I I didn't quite understand what Princess Mononoke meant. You know, I think originally when I watched it I, I was a bit but well, that's not her name. <laughs> <laughs> you know that like kind of real basic kind of but that they don't like they call her that once so I don't get it. Um but when you, it is. when you when yeah, you when you bring in what a mononoke is it's um essentially a spirit of vengeance um which adds just this interesting dynamic I think.
1: Is it like a theme of abandonment?
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, because because um, her parents were like, "Take the baby, <laughs> yeah, leave, leave <laughs> us." Yeah, we're too young
0: to die. Take the baby. Um, I mean, and I love that the wolf was like, "I thought about eating her, but then I just thought I'd raise her, presumably as a screw you guys." I ate her parents. I toss. The, I, totally I, I ate always her toss parents. that
3: coin when I get a baby. You know, she just got the she just got the heads that day.
2: Yeah, it got, um, I remember Roger Ebert at the time, I think it was just like purely coincidental, but like just speaking of Disney movies, he was comparing Princess Mononoke to Tarzan, which was out around the same time, which are just like so, (laughs) like one's a forest and one's a jungle. Like where is the... Well, it's the
1: feral child thing, I guess. Yeah, exactly.
2: I mean, I suppose the thing is like you have to remember, it's it's kind of funny because like, I think that their whole like reasoning... Um, This is from the Disney perspective now of the whole, like, pushing Studio Ghibli, like, into the Western market, was they were expecting something like My Neighbor Totoro, hoping they wouldn't get a Grave of the Fireflies, and they ended up with something in between (laughs) as their first production. But, I mean, I think it's very, like, I don't want to say fortunate and lucky, but I think it is a little fortunate that Spirited Away was kind of the follow-up because... that was everything that they were hoping for, and more, I would argue, even. But obviously we'll talk about that more next week. Because
1: it had all that Ghibli food.
0: Yeah. yeah. What, as well. well. We'll come back to that in a second, but I do love the idea that yeah, the Disney like the Disney pitch meeting and shareholders is like, yeah, this Miyazaki guy, sure he did Nausicaa, and that was kinda grim a couple of years ago. But like look at his next couple of hits. You got like Kiki's delivery service, you got like my neighbor Totoro, you got the talking pig flying movie. I mean, come yeah. on, whatever this guy gives us, <laughs> not kids are gonna all love those
3: films right? had wars in them. <laughs> Smoking cigars. (laughs) (laughs) There was death in all of those films, and there was war in all of those films. Just because it's pretty doesn't mean it's not going to have substance. Graham, I still think there's a slight
0: difference between those films and what this film turns out to be. I I still think that's
2: a anyway. Anyway. I'm All right, really then, glad that Graham's anger is at that critic. Yeah, me, yeah really, yeah. The first time when he said that critic, I thought it was at me. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> I've got I a friend like... who keeps messaging me about, hey, I've come up with a new reason why I don't like Justice League. And I'm like, I don't care. I loved it. it <laughs> is why, why would
5: <laughs> but that I person understand. message
3: you? Just but it... block that person. Like, just mute them. Like... I can't. He's I'm... like literally one of my closest friends.
1: I thought the exact same thing, D. I I was like... Is Graham talking about D? Because like that's not okay.
0: <laughs> like, and the way he was, he began with that critic as well It's like D doesn't even get a
2: name. <laughs> like, oh no, I completely, I completely blanked that dude's yeah. name. I just, I just like turned him off. Oh. I thought it was nice you considered me a serious critic. <laughs>
0: Friendship with D ended. Zack Snyder <laughs> is
3: my friend now. Um, <laughs> well, I did get to ask him a question for the Army of Dead panel, so that was cool. All right.
0: All right. So I think that about wraps it up. I think we're kind of getting towards the end there, unless there's anything jumping out of people, anybody think that we haven't discussed already. Actually, Bree, you mentioned you had, I think, three words that you thought were key. Oh, yeah, Ew. yeah. Um,
4: my, my My main takeaway of the theme was optimism versus nihilism. And I kind of like it because generally in these kind of films, optimism usually wins out and everything is going to be A-OK. And in this, it's like, no, things are bad and they're not really going to get any better. Our two main characters essentially end up in the same place at the end of the film. It's like, oh, but well, we had all that, and now, well, nothing's actually changed. It's still terrible. But um, you've, you've
0: killed the embodiment of nature. Like, like, like the happy ending. The happy ending of the movie is that, like, the spirit of nature. Yeah, the yeah, the spirit, spirit of nature. does die.
4: Yeah. They give you a glimmer of optimism with the the reflowering, but it's mostly just like San is just like, no, I I I don't care about all of this. I still hate everyone. My
3: mom is dead. <laughs> well,
0: those flowers are just growing on precious iron
3: ore, like. Yeah. <laughs> I love how Elodie Boshi just goes like we'll build it back but we'll build it better and she's like what what does that mean like as in it'll be more it'll be more it'll be more eco-friendly or do you mean it's going to be an even bigger iron village I
4: think she's going to wait for the trees to grow and then cut them all down oh, again God. so she can build the Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Iron City yeah it's no longer Iron Town it's oh, Iron yeah. City Iron yeah.
4: Fortress
1: I I appreciate Miyazaki or Gaiman's kind of um statements of the kind of nihilism of it because there, there's a point where there's like a character says i it's something like i will remain and contemplate my death <laughs> um, and, there's a lot and people I, of people who've just did, um, there's yeah there's one where it's like it's over it's all over the forest is dead <laughs> is it
4: weird that i found and, that quite refreshing in a film
1: yeah, I yeah, like, no, I, I genuinely I, I like I think right.
4: It's like you're yeah. not trying to sugarcoat it. Yes, mm. it's terrible, and there's absolutely nothing any of the characters can do. Yeah.
3: Oh, hey, it's kid, no hey,
0: kids, man already murdered nature. Now
3: you're going to have to deal with it.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: yeah. No, I, you're on borrowed time.
2: Oh, no, um, I was just going to... Yeah, I'm really glad we're talking about the ending, because I have a bit about this, too. So... Um, Okay, like like the resolution is kind of random in that. I know that they kind of, re- they do like restore the head. So that's kind of the last action like moment. But also like the way that like, the the what call the remains of the great forest spirit just happen to destroy the rest of Iron Town, and then the green grass just happens to start sprouting again. There's something of a slight message in that in that like nature will take its course and it'll all work out, which I just don't frankly buy. And then there's also I I think a bit of a cop out with the fact that. Or maybe I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm just used to Western cinema or maybe I'm just used to reality. How is there not a direct confrontation between the two women at any point? I find that kind of really odd to me. Another thing that, sorry, Andrew, I'll be quick. No, 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 no. I just have a mini rant about the ending, but also I found it quite a quick resolution. Like you guys have even mentioned there how like everything is resolved in a matter of lines. And I just found that very jolting. It kind of reminded me of one of the most jolting endings I find ever is Vertigo by Alfred Higgins. Hitchcock and I just find it so weird how oh it's suddenly like over like after two hours or whatever and um like I frankly don't believe for a minute that the, that Iron Town isn't going to exploit the resources at some point I'm sorry I just don't buy it and then like as well another thing I've just picked up I I listened to a few Miyazaki's interview before uh before um this podcast as you can probably gather but one of the things he said um, in an interview was that um, San and Ashitaka they do maintain this relationship but he's also going to work hard for the people of Irontown and this will ultimately tear Ashitaka apart and the idea that there always has to be someone suffering somewhere I just find that such a bummer. So <laughs> but
4: that I, actually, I think I that is their resolution, it. though. That there is that no is the resolution. resolution. There is no resolution. Yeah, there is no resolution. It's a problem that none of us can fix, and no matter how much Ashitaka might try to like bridge the gap and make these two worlds work mm. together, he's no avatar. It's. <laughs> it's not going to.
2: There's no white savior. There's no lion turtle.
4: Oh yeah, we're talking about different avatars. Mm. Oh, here, we're talking about different think, avatars. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm right.
3: talking about Aang.
4: Yeah.
2: Oh, that's a great shout too. Yeah,
3: yeah. No, I, I do, I found it like I do love, by the way, Jigo's kind, of, no, um, kind of. Sorry, there's no uh, clash.
2: There's a clash with Aboshi
3: and San, like the village. Like, it, yeah, but th- then Ashitaka gets between them.
0: But then Ashitaka gets between them, and yeah. like you know, that's the end. Yeah. of That's that's the all of that. It's like, it, ladies, you could be fighting over me just
3: to kill her again later when she's unconscious. When she's unconscious. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, it was it was interesting that. It's animation, so you can show what you like, but it doesn't show the the showdown <laughs> between like like the 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 big one between Manonoke um, and Lady Eboshi is not shown. I liked um, like in in terms of Miyazaki's perspective, I feel like it's that um, if we try to. Kill nature like nature is resilient and like includes us. So if we're the problem, nature will kill us. Um, and um, and like uh, like like from 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 Nausicaa, where everybody is kind of like um, terrified of the toxic forest, but the toxic forest is regenerating this world, but it's keeping us away because we'll mess it up.
3: Could Nausicaa <laughs> be a potential future for
4: Possibly. you know for
3: for Princess Mononoke? A far-flung future.
4: I think so. I think that there can't... This film, the way it's structured, there can't be a resolution between uh, Eboshi and San because that way you're saying one side wins. Yeah. But the whole point of this film is that neither side is ever going to win.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the other thing is to give Graham nightmares and just have it like mankind absorbed by nature. Like everybody just gets swallowed. Um,
1: she can't defeat uh, Eboshi because she is... She hates um her yeah. own. Self. She hates
0: humans. Yeah, she hates humans, and she, she hates human.
1: humanity. So, like defeating uh, Lady Boshi, she, would, she, 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 she. I guess she'd, she'd, um, she'd probably turn on herself. Like she doesn't belong to the wolves, really. Like she's she's leading this crusade.
0: It's the inverse of what you described there, Andrew. Where you were like, um, <clears throat> if if mankind destroys nature, it essentially destroys itself because we're part of nature. So like again, if San destroys humanity, she is part of humanity. Like again, that yeah. kind of balance, that yin yang thing going on.
1: If if San um, destroys man, uh, woman
0: inherits the uh, earth.
1: Inherits <laughs> the earth. <laughs>
3: Um, I like how um, I I will say Ashitaka literally represents their hatred because he literally represents the curse because his body is cursed. And like when the purple kind of aura surrounds him and they're both freaking out, I liked how even though he's pointing out to them, he's literally pointing out this is the result of what you're doing. They don't notice because they're too caught up in their own petty squabbles. And ultimately, nobody likes a cautionary tale.
4: I wouldn't say petty squabbles. No, it's not petty squabbles, but you know what I mean. That like, it's
3: Eboshi, Eboshi wants the Eboshi wants the wolves dead because they're the things keeping her out of the forest, and the wolves want Eboshi dead because they hate her. And so, what? Also, because they've been
0: killing each other, Graham. As well, to be fair, like
3: I wouldn't call it petty. No, I'm not. Okay, so, also, okay. so take the word petty out or there squabbles.
4: Right. Sorry. It's okay. I
3: wouldn't call it squabbles. Fine, but he, he literally represents the the curse. Because the curse is in him.
2: <laughs> oh, you kids and your squabbles.
0: Oh, yeah. Kids these <laughs> days, squabbles in Yugoslavia, But I agree with the in rest the... of the point. Just cool. those, those I'll two take words. two words. Th- those, those two words. Um, interesting thing that I note in terms of visual symmetry um, Lady Abashi is the rare Maizaki character to wear lipstick, uh, which means she's the rare Maizaki character to have lips. Uh, but also the fact that, like, the fact that she is contrasted uh, with Sam. Again, this is that like contrast between the two extremes. San is introduced with her face smeared red with blood, trying to remove the bullet, which gives you again that nice visual contrast. Her lips are also covered in red, so you have the two compared with one another. And to bring it back to what Graham but he said, goes for
2: the blood-covered mouth, not the lipstick. <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, he, he ends up going back to the lipstick, though, in the end, technically.
2: I don't. I don't think he's
1: gotten up the. Um... The courage yet to 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 try it on with Lady Eboshi. I think he he's probably getting around to it. Like, they, he's he's certainly not ruling it out. Um,
2: I, I was just going to add uh, another thing I kind of love. Just a final, like, kind of quick note about San and Ashitaka, which I love, is. Um, you know how Hoyamizaki Miyazaki generally in his movies like it, sometimes it's kind of a young girl and boy protagonist so there's no kind of chance of romance there or it'd be weird or whatever but generally speaking romance doesn't feature highly in his movies. I kind of love the fact that like the one time that San and Ashitaka's mouths meet is when she is chewing up food and feeding it to him like a baby bird. Yeah. I just think that's such a nice little detail <laughs> like, like, she has, like she has no interest. She's just like I am feeding you to keep you alive. I don't care otherwise
0: and then her mom's like i would love to bite your head off
1: um <laughs> yeah and Ashitaka's is like still can't um,
0: <laughs> um well, another thing to note actually which is, and again to bring it back to something graham said there about the idea of uh, ashitaka being cursed because you have that thing where like you have the law of unintended consequences that plays through this so like you know they shoot the boar the boar is infected the boar rampages Rampages. Rampages across the countryside and then scars Ashitaka and then, you know, destroys this village. But you have, again, this nice metaphor for, like, things like climate change or environmentalism where... Like, the people who are causing the damage and devastation are rarely the people who end up facing the actual consequences for it. It's more other people, like, indirectly. Like, again, and, you know, developed, developing world, you know, things like climate change affecting deserts and forcing mass migration, the rising of flood levels probably won't affect people in, you know, like, Amazon's weight class or whatever. You know, like, again, I like that little detail.
1: It's what economists call, um, what is it, externalities. When there's like uh, effects uh, of production that don't affect the producers. Um, I thought it was like trickle-down
0: demononics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Voodoo.
0: <laughs> Voodoo. Economics. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, I think that about wraps it up, unless there's anything else jumping out of people. Anything that anybody wants to talk about that we haven't discussed already with regards to this movie?
2: Just to mention, the music is gorgeous as well. Music
3: is also yeah. gorgeous as ever. as again,
0: ever. which beautiful score, um, yeah. beautiful, beautiful score. Um, and quite a lot of it actually as well, because we mentioned that like in the early stuff, like Laputa, there wasn't that much because Japanese films are scored differently. But by now, Hisachi seems to understand that the score is going to be appearing in the American version. In fact, actually, that was one of maizaki's conditions was that you don't touch Hisaishi's score. You can dub it if you want, but you keep the score. Um, so it seems to be scored kind of like halfway between those two extremes, and it it is a beautiful, beautiful. This extreme.
1: is a very small thing, but I when when the sword goes through a bowshe 's rifle, I was expecting it would be like a perfect um, kind of a note if the gun backfires. Um, but it didn't. <laughs> I was like, of course, of course that's going to happen. She's going to fire it anyway, in spite of the fact that there's a knife sticking through the barrel, um, and it's going to kill her and um, that way then
0: we all feel like we haven't got our hands dirty and she's dead and the problem solved right yeah
2: exactly and you've got that magical vine appearing as well and that doesn't stop her either yeah
4: it's too easy (laughs)
0: but that's the thing that i like the thing that i love is like repeatedly throughout you get little moments where it's like you know the moment where they first shoot the forest spirit and it kind of like stumbles a little bit and then picks itself back up again and you're like oh does that mean they can't kill it and then Lady <laughs> Iboshi's like, "No, no, 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 no. Let me show you how you kill a god." Um, which I you uh, shoot it twice. Well, no, you shoot it during transformation.
3: You shoot, yeah, you shoot it during transformation. Yeah, yeah you, during you shoot it mid transformation because that's obviously where it's at. It's uh, most vulnerable during transition. Yeah, um, as, as, uh, yeah, that's uh, generally how that law that that law as, works. As
0: most people know, you know, when you, if you're gonna kill a god, kill it during its transition. Um, well, you kill uh,
3: most things <laughs> in the <laughs> middle of their transformation. That's usually when something is vulnerable is true. in in fiction. Yeah.
4: It's kind of anime rule. <laughs>
3: it's an anime. It's actually an anime <laughs> it rule kind of is. where where to make sure that this trope doesn't happen is people will usually wait for their opponent to fully transform, like Dragon Ball Z. If you stop someone in Dragon Ball Z from transforming, they're screwed.
4: But no one catch ever it. does. No
3: one ever stops them. Catch it mid mid Akira.
0: Oh, no, yes. no. you never go full Akira. You go, you catch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do. I do also like the idea of Mikhail Bakunin arguing: if God existed, we would have to abolish him halfway through his transformation. Um, and very quick shout out to oh,
1: the... and may and, and another Mikhail Bakunin thing: the the destructive act is also the creative act. So the 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 whole idea of things kind of like burning down and decomposing and smoking inappropriately and
5: um, nice. I that, like that,
1: it. That, that, that it that it com- that 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 life comes out of kind of this decomposition and death. um
0: and i mean even things like the use of leprosy as well because the japanese version doesn't use the word leprosy it uses the word uh gobio which means incurable disease but apparently it is leprosy as it was in the english translation because mizaki grew up with a sanitarium 15 minutes from his house um so he'd been surrounded by leprosy oh yeah this brought uh, up apparently... this was brought up in the fa- in
3: um what was it uh how well, not season uh, uh, no, and, and um, the Graves of Fireflies? Because there's a scene with the mother? Well, that's Takahata. That's Takahata. Oh, uh, that's, not,
0: that's,
1: that's that. Totoro.
3: <laughs> oh, there is, yeah. The,
0: the mother is in, in Totoro. The mother's missing in Totoro. The mother leaves in hospital in Totoro. But, like, again, um, and again, the fact that Maizaki, he's passed that sanatorium every day from his house to his school, from his house to his work, which is quite nice as well. Um yep, yeah, and then finally because we have to talk about food waste, there's an interesting there's an interesting moment when the boar that has been covered with these weird flailing purple worms dies. And like the villagers shout, You got him, you got him, get the witch woman Um and like one of the guys shouts in the background, you can hear him say, Leave the fire burning and part of me is like, Wait, are you, are you gonna eat? That boar? Is that what you're thinking here? I oh. assumed, like, I assumed it's, they were gonna burn it. <laughs> yeah. So like just leave the fire on just in case.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say that like wh- while while you can't eat the boar in this movie, there's other movies where you where you can eat the boar. And
0: then and then also very, very quickly, um I completely forgot what I was gonna say, so it doesn't matter. Oh the the, the gore. I absolutely adore like the weird like when when Ashitaka gets his like superpower Hulk arm and he just fires stone arrows and they like chop off people's arms and heads, I kind of adore that they don't do like blood spout like a Kurosawa. I think it's
3: that it's too clean. It's it's their.
0: They, it's like
3: a. They ham. look
0: like
1: it's like you.
3: Put yeah, a ham.
0: they
1: look like Ghibli hands.
0: Yeah. Exactly, it. They look like Ghibli food. It's just like there's a bone and there's a circle
3: of muscle around it. It's like, mmm. <laughs> yeah. That guy didn't freak out when he saw both his hands get like intersected.
1: Yep. Yeah. He said, keep the fire on. Yeah.
0: All right, then. I think that about wraps it up then. So we're going to be back next week. We're going to be talking about The Wonderful Spirited Away. But in the meantime, we ask our guests to recommend something for listeners, something they're enjoying at the moment. It could be something related to the podcast, something unrelated to the podcast, whatever is catching your fancy. So to give Dee, Breed, and Graham a chance to think about what they're going to recommend, I will ask Andrew to go
1: first. Um, shinrin-yoku is what I'm going to recommend. It's it's the kind of j- Japanese word for forest bathing. It's basically <laughs> going, for, going for a walk um in in the forest it provides all these benefits look it up s-h-i-n hyphen O R O. o sorry y-o-k-u um but yeah if if you if you live near nature um check out nature <laughs>
4: that's um, what i would recommend. and if
1: if you don't live near nature um check out uh gorilla gardening um create seed balls, fire them at like, at uh, dual carriageways and, and watch as flowers grow. Um, and, um, and do that. Um, if uh, one, one movie that I thought of when I was watching this was, um, Oak um, who I would yeah. definitely eat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Andrew spent most of that movie wondering what Oakja tasted like. Um,
1: I did, I did. Like, and I have no doubt that, it, like, like I feel like if I were going to eat oakja, it would only be those those horrible little samples that they take, um, <laughs> and that I would, I would, I would, I would make sure I treated oakja um, to some fruits and things, like to make up for for taking um, a, a, a little sample
5: of it. Uh-
0: we should note that for the 20th anniversary of Princess Mononoke, Arby's, the fast food restaurant, celebrated um, <laughs> on their Facebook page by offering up a Mononoke themed meal. Now, obviously, it wasn't officially licensed, but apparently it was an interesting social media just jerky. Day. They just des- they redesigned. They drew like an Arby's packet. So it looked like a Mononoke mask, like a sand mask, for example. Yeah, it was it was quite something. They really got the message of the movie, I feel. Uh, but D, what would you recommend for listeners? What are you enjoying at the moment?
2: Um, So just picking up on the kind of themes of the environment and nature um, that are in My Neighbor Totoro, I'd love to recommend My Octopus Teacher, which is a documentary on Netflix that I saw over the weekend and absolutely adored. It recently won the BAFTA for Best Documentary. It might have won Best Documentary Oscar by the time this goes out. Who knows? Um, But it was just such a like. Gorgeous, charming movie. I'd kind of describe it as somewhere between Charlotte's Web and Blue Planet, if that makes any sense. But if you watch it, you'll see what I mean. Um, but it's it's stunning. And it's only like 85 minutes long or something. So that's definitely worth the watch. And again, it's on Netflix. So super handy to access. Um, And then I'd love to recommend a couple of Studio Gildly 90s movies, just again, because it's kind of on topic. Um, Ocean Waves, which kind of reminded me a bit of that movie, A Silent Voice, that was out a few years ago that I also really enjoyed. It kind of follows this young man and woman at high school that kind of have this intense and slight tug of war, but kind of also romantic relationship, which is quite interesting to see how that plays out. And I also love, love, loved Only yesterday. Um, another studio Ghibli one that's from quite early on I think it's like yeah, Nashville those are early ones those are yeah. early hits oh it's, it's gorgeous I mean this one is, so this one is it follows this kind of uh, woman in her late 20s who's been working like at an office job in the city and then she goes back to the countryside one summer and works and she's kind of like reflecting on um her time kind of as a kid or or a pupil and it's just oh it's just such a gorgeous movie and um one of very few films that hold a 100 percent rotten tomatoes approving rating which is always good so those but i would don't recommend. tell people that
1: <laughs> now they'll go and downvote it um Someone's gonna go after it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they shouldn't. It's too lovely to go after it.
0: Stephen Hunter at the Washington Post lines up his pen. It's been twenty-two <laughs> years. I'm I find think it's him. Okay, 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 Graham. Um so I'm gonna let Graham stew for a little while and ask Breed, what would you recommend for listeners?
4: Uh I've actually been watching a lot of anime of late, but um I will probably have a proper list of that for next week. <laughs> no, if I'm watching anime without you. Oh I'm sorry.
3: Well, she's been cheating on me, alright.
4: No, you didn't want to watch it it's not my fault anyway um but other than that i have (laughs) two of my friends um one of them lives in london one of them is home in limerick and the one in london is a chef so they decided to make a youtube cooking show which is both kind of impressive and also disastrous and i highly recommend it it's called cooped up cooking cooking. yeah very nostalgic yeah (laughs) And the recipes, while they do give you a recipe, it's more like, but if you've this, put that in. And if you don't like that, don't put that in. And, you know, like, put in a bit of this if you like it, you know?
0: (laughs) Improvisation.
4: Pretty much, yeah. As well as the chef slowly teaching the non-chef how to cut things properly.
0: Mm. Oh, nice. You have, like, you have a proper kind of buddy cup dynamic thing. Yeah, yeah. It's
4: like, that is not how you do that. Stop doing that. So,
1: Darren... If uh, it, it would suit somebody who doesn't it, it, who 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 wants to learn to cook, the, um...
0: yeah, Annie was referring to the fact that I think one of my partners described me as somebody who doesn't cook. I heat. Um, but <laughs> oh, Graham, Graham, you
1: what... you have that whole masterclass thing now. I do. I was going to bring you. that up earlier. You have like the Neil Gaiman masterclass, which I imagine you will use. Yeah, but you also have the Gordon Ramsay one that you
3: won't
0: and the david lynch <laughs> one um, <Yeah. laughs> but sorry sorry graham what would you recommend for listeners?
3: oh yes. I, have, I have a ton of stuff um i just recently finished because i did watch it with Breed, uh black clover is an anime absolutely brilliant it just finished its an, it just finished its 170 episode run that i highly recommend you can binge it on crunchyroll uh, currently watching one piece on episode 530 something
4: uh, <laughs> Working our way through the class we're,
3: we're, Working our way through Yeah yeah Oh we're only oh, halfway oh, through We're only halfway through it The anime is up to It's 900th and something episode That's That's like bonanza Yeah It's also been going
4: a, for the last 20 it's years been, It's
3: been going longer it's, lo- it's going longer Than most anime And it's consistently In the number one It's going longer Than most people In Japan right now It's only been beaten once one year.
4: We said um last year that we okay, we have to actually get around to watching this at some point. It's it's
3: like it's like a Japanese um tent pole anime. It's like people adore it even higher than like other ones like Dragon Ball Z and that. So we started watching it and now we understand the hype and We're
4: about halfway. We're about
3: so. well, we're about halfway of the episodes that are released. It's like an animated Coronation Street, <laughs>
4: essentially, but <laughs> a lot more like. Been um...
3: going just as long, like like the like like how Dragon Ball Z is the Eastenders to anime. Um... I will recommend The Archers, by the
1: way, if we're talking about things that, <laughs> so I, that went Prince. on. Been I've, I've, I've added it to my podcast feeds. And when it comes on randomly, I never feel like I've
3: missed anything. Oh, on podcasts, <laughs> I've actually great. also um, been watching The Adventure Zone, listening to The Adventure Zone. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic podcast um, done by the McElroy can Brothers. I recommend,
1: can I recommend another d podcast to you? And by the way, I I, I, I did my first um, uh, DM session. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was great. I did. Um, and Darren will, Darren will appreciate this. I did, um, two Christopher Nolan scenes in one. So, uh, because, because it was, it was, um, I think, um, no, it wasn't Loeb. It was Commissioner Gordon being shot by, uh, the Joker while, while giving a speech. And it was, it was, it was also Bane was one of the, yeah. but it, uh, sorry, that's, so, that sounds like both of those characters were in it. They were not. It was kind of like inspired by that. That would be a very weird kind of like.
3: That would be an amazing scene
1: um, though. That, yeah, yeah. No, but there the, the, the was some, there were some, um some archers that were, um yeah. But not the and, archers and they, that
0: you're recommending.
1: No, not the archers. Um, that would also be a surprise they, they... twist. I did
0: the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises <laughs> and the Archers. That was the
5: pitch.
1: A um, a character gets up on a hippogriff and says, um, "Time to take this mobile," um, <laughs> and flies away. Um, <laughs>
0: There's no money here for you
1: to steal.
3: <laughs> And why are you <laughs> and here?
5: why are you here? Um, sorry.
3: Okay. <laughs> uh, I suppose finally, because Breed's here and I keep getting it wrong, I keep mentioning a book series that I'm reading <laughs> and I keep getting the wrong title. He
4: does. Every time I hear it. So
3: I'm reading Brenna Sanderson's Stormlight Archives and I was reading it today and...
4: You're wrong? I can't okay, remember the book, title. Okay. Book number first. What book number are you? Oh, it's book four. Okay. And the title?
3: Nope.
4: Come on. I can't
3: remember. I can't remember. Just it's continue. Rhythm of War. I, I don't know why I can't get the book title <laughs> right. Uh, I keep getting the third book or the second book or the first book.
4: Yeah, you recommended the second book last time, which yeah, is interesting. Yeah, which does
3: not make no sense. So I'm reading Rhythm of War, which is fantastic. It's part of like, it's it's fascinating watching an, art, uh, an author do what the MCU has done. He has a literal connective tissue across a dozen books at this point, maybe more.
4: More.
3: More of a literal universe of characters. And um, I highly recommend it for anyone who'd want to get into it. Uh, it began with Mistborn. Yeah, I um, was just about to
4: say, I don't recommend starting with no, Stormlight. Starting with... Yeah, starting with
3: four is a bit of a, a kind of like, yeah, yeah. A <laughs> Um, I would recommend starting with Mistborn. And then if you enjoy Mistborn, go out from there. That's what I did. Uh, so that's, I know I've been talking a lot about recommendations, but I've been reading a lot and, you know, uh, watching a lot of stuff. For You know, I've, I've been having a bit of a, a tough two two to three weeks and uh, they've been kind of helping me just uh, distract me. So that's kind of the, the, the stuff.
0: Um, in terms of quick recommendations for myself, um, uh, we didn't mention the Princess Mononoke massive success uh, in Japan. It was also the first animated film to win the Japan Academy Prize, which is basically the Japanese version of the Oscars. Um, there's been no animated film that has won the best picture at the Oscars, the equivalent prize. What won the Japan Academy Prize in 2016 was Hidekianu and Shinji uh, Higashi's, uh Shin Godzilla which I rewatched recently Whee! and it's just phenomenal. I've been watching with the release of the Monsterverse with Godzilla, you know Kong versus Godzilla. I've been going back and I've been watching some classic Japanese monster movies and most of them are to be frank not great, but there are occasional like brilliant ones like Mothra which like starts out as King Kong meets Indiana Jones and then becomes a Godzilla movie which is fascinating or Mothra versus Godzilla in which like a shady real estate developer tries to turn a giant, like, monster egg into a tourist attraction, and I'm there for it. Um, or even, like, what my personal favourite, and if you are going to try one, I'd recommend this one, Godzilla vs. Hedorah, which is the 1971 psychedelic pollution monster one, in which, like, It's astounding, it's dazzling. There are Japanese mod rockers, there are Japanese hippies. There's a point at which the pollution monster, which can inexplicably turn itself into a UFO, like arrives on top of a giant factory and sucks on a smokestack like it's a giant bomb as psychedelic music plays in the background. It is just, there are not words to describe what this movie is. Like, there are points at which the news explains what's happening because they don't have the budget by showing adorable animated monsters, like, slurping on oil tankers as presentations. It's like, oh, by the way, Hidora consumed an entire oil tanker today, and he just cracks it open like it's a coconut and slurps it down. It's kind of great. So, those are all on the Criterion channel. Those so um, And well worth seeing out. So, those would be my recommendations.
1: Are they better than the Aaron Tyler Johnson <laughs>
3: um, Godzilla? I still like that Godzilla film. I like, I like, I like that
0: one. They are. They're
1: not as good as Kong Skull Island, but they're probably better than that. Huh? Well, in fairness, like the the um, the whatever whatever branch of the U.S. armed forces that like represented there. Yeah, like, got enlisted they, with they were, Godzilla. They were Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. Was it artillery? <laughs> but, or, like, bomb um, disposal it was bomb disposal bomb disposal bomb disposal yeah. so like it's very important that every branch of the U- US military goes kind of non- circles through exactly there needs to be a non-ironic space force
0: <laughs> um, Steve Carell's dramatic space force probably directed by Jay Roach um,
1: alright yeah exactly all right, then. We need more movies about how we... <laughs> sorry. But well, I mean
0: it is like Godzilla <laughs> King of the Monsters actually has Godzilla join the US Army. It's quite striking. It's like, what do we do now? Do we just let it happen? And the US military is like, no, we join the fight. And like it's like, okay, so Godzilla's like a three star general, I'm thinking now. You know, you want to have him a clear upward trajectory. Alright then, sorry, we are we are wrapping up. So people looking for a bit more D, a bit more breed, a bit more Graham online. Where can they find you? So D, where are you at?
2: I am at Deirdre Malumbi. That's D-E-I And B-Y. you're also a review at uh,
0: Entertainment.ie as well, so we can find all your stuff there. So
2: yeah, on Entertainment.ie exactly.
0: And Breed, where can you find you? Watch up to. Um,
4: it's very unlikely you'll be able to no. find me. I, I generally um try not to be found. All right, and
0: Graham, I assume you are just as hard to find. You are up to absolutely nothing.
3: Uh, I'm at uh, Graham Geek Era on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'll spell it: G R A H A M G E E K E I R E. And uh, um. I'm also with Darren at the Escapist, where I speak about far less intellectual things than he does. Um, my last article was about uh, oh the MCU and how it doesn't like getting its hands dirty, to which people were very annoyed at me because oh, I think I saw that.
2: I think I saw that one, Graham. I should have known it was you. How did that? I mean, <laughs> oh, no, no, <laughs>
0: Deirdre, Deirdre. was Deirdre, Deirdre. was like that critic.
2: <laughs> no, 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 I thought no. It I'm kidding. A really I'm, good core I, argument.
0: I'm kidding. I'm, I I'm, agree. I'm more. I'm more re- reversing the Stephen Hunter situation. Yes. Had um,
1: I kind of want to go back on Twitter just to do the A Q U I N N I U Q A. Um, a the, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is also the name of a um,
0: forest spirit in Princess Mononoke. Um, I think it is, yeah. All right, but yes, you can follow us at the 250. We'll be back next week. Where we'll be talking about the uh, wonderful and irrepressible Spirited Away. Take it easy, guys. Bye.